Howdy do Who fans and welcome to the Big Blue Box podcast. My name's Gary. My name's Adam. And welcome aboard to episode 285. Yes! One day I shall come back. Yes, I shall come back. Until then, there must be no regrets, no tears, no anxieties. Just go forward in all your beliefs and prove to me that I am not mistaken in mine. Our lives are different to anybody else's. That's the exciting thing. Nobody in the universe can do what we're doing. I've reversed the polarity of the neutron flow, so the TARDIS should be free of the force field now. You may be a doctor, but I'm the doctor. The definite article, you might say. The trouble with time travel is, one never seems to find the time. Change, my dear. And it seems not a moment too soon. Unlimited rice pudding, etc., etc. I am the doctor. For now, for this moment, I am the doctor again. The ground beneath our feet is spinning at a thousand miles an hour. And the entire planet is hurtling around the sun at 67,000 miles an hour. And I can feel it. We're falling through space, you and me. People assume that time is a strict progression of cause to effect. But actually, from a non-linear, non-subjective viewpoint, it's more like a big ball of wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey stuff. I could be a curator. I'd be great at curating. I'd be the great curator. <laughs> I could retire and do that. I'm the doctor. I've lived for over 2,000 years, and not all of them were good. I've made many mistakes, and it's about time that I did something about that. Bit of adrenaline, dash of outrage, and a hint of panic knitted my brain back together. I know exactly who I am. I'm the Doctor. Sorting out fair play throughout the universe. Howdy do, Who fans. Welcome back to another week, another episode. This is 285. Hope you're keeping well and safe and healthy. Hope you've had a cracking week. I know you've all managed to do something, something. Doctor, Doctor Who related. related. Welcome back, everybody. New listeners that have jumped on board. Nice to have you aboard the TARDIS. Long-time listeners, long-timers, grizzled ancients, whatever you want to call yourselves. Welcome back. Oh, it's a crazy old week, bud. This bloody crazy coronavirus. Week. Oh, don't. Jiminy Cricket. Crikey Moses. <laughs> well, at least we can always do the podcast if we're trapped inside. That's one thing, isn't it? Yeah. There'll be some crazy conspiracy theory at some point, I'm sure, that you'll be able to get it over Wi-Fi or something. Or... <laughs> oh, no. Because I think when it all first kicked off earlier on in the year, there was a big conspiracy around... Uh, it was the 5G network that was spreading the virus, wasn't it? Do you remember that? Really? No, yeah, I don't yeah. remember that, no. no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So at some point, you and I won't even be able to do Skype, mate. We'll just be <laughs> confined to, a, I don't know, carrier pigeon or something. <laughs> oh, that would be fun. <laughs> yeah. So it is a crazy old week out there, and uh, I hope all of our listeners and everybody is staying safe and, and uh, staying out of trouble is the main thing. Staying out of trouble. So 285 is upon us before we get cracking on uh, with all the show. We've got some, we've actually got news and merch this week. La gasp, news. Our gasp was truly flabbered. <laughs> when did we last have some news to report? I know, right? Gosh, yeah. yeah. 
I saw it on there and I thought it must be a mistake. I saw it on the little spreadsheet. I thought, news? Oh, he's obviously put the thing in the wrong place. There can't be any news. And I was like, oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah. It was that exciting. I'd forgotten we'd got it. Exactly, mate. <laughs> Forgot about it. Yeah, so we've got some news and merch to get onto. And then we're going to review the first Doctor story, The Sensor Rights, which will be fun. No, I think that will be fun, yeah. Yeah. Six bloody parts. Anyway, bud. But, but the six parts, but there were many times in that, <laughs> in that story that I was thinking if we were watching this together, we would be <laughs> cracking up. We would be cracking up. I felt, yeah. I, I had that thought all the time, <laughs> mate, especially watching Classic Who. Thinking, yeah. if I was watching this now with Adam, we'd be in stitches, we'd have to pause it. There was definitely a couple of bits in this one where I just sort of laughing, thinking, if I was with Gary now, we'd be in, <laughs> we'd be in pieces, we'd have to stop the DVD and just compose ourselves for a minute, yeah. Yeah, I read you, man. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, how have you been, dude? How's your week been? You all good? Yeah, yeah, not not too bad at all. Yeah, a pretty good week. I mean, obviously, being a six-parter, I haven't had a chance to watch any other story this week, but I did manage to get in the uh, big finish audio that I wanted to listen to the short trips. Um, so this was a part of the time Lord Victorious. It's called, well, it's like a double master story. Um, so you got master thief, the first story, uh, which is um, Delgado's master. And then the second story, less evils uh, with uh, Anthony Ainley's master. Uh, it's all told and voiced by John Coleshaw, um, who does a very good, um, impersonation of both actually and he he tells the story well i mean he's he's sort of perfect for this type of thing because they're, they're only 40 minutes each uh and i'll tell you what i really really enjoyed it um wasn't sure what to expect because it's tied in with the whole time of victoria's thing so i was thinking you know because we still don't really know where this is all going or what it's about they're very much just two little standalone as you'd expect short stories um so yeah i enjoyed both but uh it was good to just to, to finally get a listen because I downloaded it last week and I literally didn't have a chance. But yeah, so I really enjoyed that. Um, just an update on my Doctor Who annual. You know, I was moaning about the fact it didn't have pages one and two. <laughs> oh, yeah. Turns out, turns out I've just got a faulty one. So my page, my page one and two are actually glued to the front of the annual. So <laughs> for anyone listening, thinking, well, like, hang on a minute, I, I mean, I'm not missing anything because there's literally the, literally the pages that are glued together are just of a blue swirly pattern. They're not actual real pages they look like wrapping paper oh um, okay right because i was in uh where was i, I was in smiths or somewhere and I, I saw a copy of the shelf i just thought just see if it's got those pages i'm missing and then, lo and behold there they were uh so that wraps that middle mystery up uh i haven't really been doing anything else um did you get a chance to watch jody on the uh jody whitaker's did the who do you think you are uh this week i i haven't had a chance to watch it yet i'm gonna have to catch up on the iPlayer. Just wondered if you'd watched it. No, mate. No, I don't watch that anyways. No? No. Well, yeah. I don't know. I'm normally on that program. They force them to cry, don't they? It's like they're not happy unless they're crying by the end of it. So I don't know if she ended up crying. But yeah, I've got that ready to watch at some point. You, you're just not into that program or? Uh, I've seen it a couple of times, but ah. um, yeah, I'll probably check it out at some point. Yeah. Oh, Jody. But no, I've, I don't, Jim. I've, I think I've seen... I think I saw the Danny Dyer one, and I saw the Ant and Deck one. Danny Dyer, mate, oh, mate, you watching <laughs> Danny Dyer? Like geese, yeah. And I saw oh, the Ant and Deck one, and I think I've seen oh, yeah. one more. I, I, I think there's about fifty of them, I guess. But yeah, yeah. I remember when they. First, I was quite into them when they were sort of early on in that series. I remember quite liking that show, but I haven't watched it for quite a while. 
Um, but I thought as it was Jody, I'll dip in and, and have a look at that at some point. <laughs> have a look uh, but at, I, re- yeah. I haven't really been doing anything else. Have you been watching any more Blake 7? Uh, no, I've only seen the first ep. Oh, no, no, no sorry. I've the seen the first one. No, sorry, I've seen the first two. I've seen the first two eps. Oh, and, yeah. Uh, Rick and hell, mate, I've got to be honest with you, dude. You know I love you. And I, you know that... No, you can't give up after two. I'm not going to give up, but you know I love you. And I know well, that you, you love Blake 7, but Rick and hell, mate. What too dour or what? What's not? What's not? Yet? It's. I get. I get the whole vibe of the story. Right? I get the whole. It's you know. It's certainly not happy times, is it? When not the, when this not the is first set. series. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but bloody hell, it <laughs> it feels like somebody turned up on set that day, episode one. They're all ready to go. Everyone's you know brand new show. Everyone's in it. Uh, somebody turns up. My dog's died. <laughs> it's not that bad and uh, everyone because okay in the first two episodes I can not count on one hand I can count on one finger the amount of time somebody smiles it's not yeah it's not a comedy I know it's not a comedy <laughs> but I'm thinking yeah. <laughs> bloody hell I really right. hope that something happy happens or something good happens in the next sort of two episodes because yeah I don't get me wrong it's got that cool kind of um well, it basically looks like Doctor Who, you know, the way it's, um, yeah, the, the classic Who, yeah, the way it's, um, uh, the, the way it's sort of produced and filmed and stuff. And, you know, it's got that old kind of cheap budget classic Doctor Who feel to it, which is cool. But the characters, crikey, like they're all bloody, I don't know, they're all, they take some happy pills, mate. Yeah, they're, they're not the most happy of, of teams. <laughs> but the thing is, you've got to plow through because the thing is, Terry Nation wrote the first series mm-hmm. it was his sort of his thing and uh yeah it does start off a bit bleak i'll give you that but god once it gets going it is such a good series and you talk about the characters like you you will grow to love them i mean like avon is just one of the best characters <laughs> ever but you gotta persevere mate i know series one can be a bit hard i suppose because terry nation writes the whole lot <laughs> and he is a bit bleak but once you get past that and he's sort of taking a back seat and starts letting other people write it it's brilliant yeah, so I'm at the, uh, two episodes in, but I'll stick with it, dude. I will stick yeah, with stick it. With it. Yeah, stick with it, because there's some great stuff to come. Yeah, some great <laughs> stuff. <laughs> Blake! Just, Blake! I just keep thinking now the bit where, in the first episode, where they're all getting gunned down <laughs> in the... It is a bit... There's yeah. a bit where there's a, like, he keeps having a flashback to um, sort of being... I'm not sure if he's been beaten or something. You know the bit in the sort of looks like a sort of underground tunnel where it just... There's like a... Uh-huh. mass guard that's repeatedly sort of bashing oh i don't know yeah it is a bit bleak first one yeah <laughs> it's not don't put it on if you've had a bad day well i was gonna say that yeah anyone that's thinking of because anyone that's got brit box they've just added all of blake seven to it in the last couple of weeks so it's great i was gonna say that though if you're having a bit of a a, a shocker a bit of a bad day don't put that on yet wait and then <laughs> But then I, I felt like that about um, Survivors because everyone talks about, ah, oh, Survivors was a great series again written by Terry Nation and it's from that sort of era. And I thought, oh, everyone. So I bought the box set and I watched two or three and it's about plague and all this sort of stuff. And uh, God, I was just like, I gave up. I literally <laughs> was like, oh, I can't watch any more of this. It's so depressing. <laughs> but then everyone says how good it is. And I keep thinking, no, I must must go back to that. I must go back and get into it but yeah if you want really bleak terrination perhaps uh avoid survivors <laughs> mm. but is it again it's one of those that everyone raves about so there must be more to it i, I do need to revisit that at some point i mm. think i literally watched two 
or maybe three actually three. Oh, okay, and, uh, right. that was enough. But it was very gloomy though. I mean, the thing is with Blake Seven, at least he does have some quite interesting visuals. Like the episodes of Survivor I watched were very much like dimly lit BBC sets with lots of talking and lots of people just being ill. And mm-hmm. I was like, oh, this is not this is not for me. But uh, yeah. yeah, I'll go back to. It. But I haven't really done anything else, eh? I've just yeah, it's been a bit of a obviously watching the. Um, sensor rights and stuff actually i might forget to say this later so i'm gonna say it now um i did watch because i do always like to watch the extras on the dvds um and there is a really really nice uh quite short little extra on there um with toby haydock where he goes on in search of finding out about the writer of the sensor rights peter r newman because there's literally nothing known about him Mm -hmm. it's like this enigma this mystery um, there's no photos of him. Uh, people just don't really know anything about him. There's no interviews with him anywhere, apparently. So, yeah, um, Toby sort of goes on this little adventure to try and find out about him. And it's so... I don't know if you've watched it, have you? No, I've not seen that. Oh, no. give it a watch, mate. It's it's about probably 10, maybe 20 minutes long. It's a, probably 20 minutes. It's um, a really short little documentary. And it's so heartwarming. Because it's just this mystery figure. And the, it's a bit like, well, it's, it's a little bit like, who do you think you are? Toby finds one little strand that he latches onto about this guy. And then it leads him on to lots of other things. Um, I don't know whether to say or not, whether it's going to ruin it. But, you know, he, he, he finds family and mm-hmm. photos of him. And they've got a little recording of him. And it's just like suddenly this enigma comes to life. It's it's really, really nice. It's very, very nice little extra. Mm. So that's definitely worth watching when you get a spare 10 minutes. Yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah, it's good. Yeah, really, really good. So I watched that. That was another little thing. Oh, cool. Yeah, when I did some research for this, I did read that this was his only Who story. And I think um, I think after this, he kind of became a bit of a recluse. I think he had like mass, like major writer's block and gave up yeah, writing, I think. I think, he was, I think he's, he was rumoured to suffer from depression and things. But yeah. Um, yeah, Toby tracks down his sister and she's just, you know, when you just immediately warn to... You're like, oh, and she's talking about her brother with such affection. Suddenly this person who you don't really know anything about is suddenly like, I don't know, it's very heartwarming, shall mm. we say. Yeah. Yeah, so that's good. Do you oh, ever watch the, um, whenever we, oh no, because you watch BritBox, don't you? Because I, I all always, the time. Oh, okay. Yeah. But whenever you watch a DVD of Classic Who, do you ever click on the Come In Now trailers just to <laughs> yeah. watch them? Because I've got a real affection for some of them. Yeah, they're wicked, um, yeah. It was so exciting at the time when you'd buy a DVD, and obviously they were, you know, sort of in the early stages when they hadn't released all of the stories. You'd be like, "Oh, what's the what's coming next?" As I look at this trailer, and some of them are blooming good, weren't they? They're quite exciting, and they make this, they make a lot of the episodes look a lot better than they are. But yeah, I say so I'm trying to think what it was in this one. Oh, Robots of Death. Oh yeah, trailer on this, yep. and, yeah, and I was thinking, gosh, Robots of Death wasn't out when this was out. That's amazing. <laughs> so yeah, I love watching those little coming soon trailers. Yeah, they also mm-hmm. make um, they also make the McCoy stories sound and look really good. <laughs> yeah, for some reason they just look really epic. The uh, any of the McCoy stories in those coming now or coming soon trailers. I yeah. think that's because in the McCoy era you do get lots of. So I'm thinking of sort of Silver Nemesis, for example, where there's lots of gunfire and mm-hmm. you know those little BBC explosions that we used to get in the McCoy era. There's lots of those that they could use and. You know, to make it look. I mean, I, I, well, we both love the McCoy era, but yeah, I know what you're saying. <laughs> There's lots of little bits that they can take from that and make it look, oh, that looks good. Yeah. Like the bit where he walks out of the tent in Greatest Galaxy oh. and the explosion, you know, that's like, 
Oh, it's a classic. Yeah, like clip. the music cuts at that bit and boom, and then yeah. it kicks back in. And yeah, it's like a. Yeah, they are cool, those trailers, actually. They are good. Gosh, yeah. that's made me want to watch a great show now. God. Indeedy. Yeah. That's so good. What a, what a great scene that is. Yeah. yeah. The explosion is so loud, you can see the screen ripple with lines because mm-hmm. it nearly blew the camera up and McCoy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah he, stared, he held his own, though. He just casually walks out, doesn't he? And that's yeah. Awesome. That was the, I think I said it on our review, but that was the story when I thought he was regenerating. When he goes into the tent and all the lines started coming, and I thought, like, oh, oh, what's yeah. happening? So yeah. I honestly thought it was a, a regeneration because back then it wasn't, uh, you know, it wouldn't have been a big announcement thing like we get now. But I'm glad it wasn't because, I, as you know, love my call. <laughs> yeah, you wouldn't have had um, uh, some of the other stories, mate. No, exactly. Yeah, you yeah. wouldn't have had Fenric or um, all the survival and Ghost all the light, yeah, all that. Yeah. Ghost light. Yeah. I nearly said Battlefield, but I think that's still the only McCoy that I can't get into. Oh, that's another one on my must revisit list is mm. Battlefield another one that a lot of people like so I just every time I watch it can't get into shame shame on you shame yeah. so that's all you've been up to mate I haven't that been uh, yeah I haven't been up to too much either mate I did watch another I, I copycatted you though so last week you said uh, you said I'm in the mood for watching some Davison oh yeah and I was like oh actually yeah that's not a bad idea at all. I'm going to copy Adam and watch some Davison. So I didn't watch anything too crazy. It's a fairly, fairly low par, low reviewed episode that I watched. It was the old, uh, the non, you know, non-affection five doctors. Oh, really? Oh. Yeah, just that little tiny one that people will always forget. Yeah, well, it's tacked onto the end of uh, season 21 yeah. or whatever it is yeah just forgotten about isn't it? yeah coming after the absolute classic belter that is the king's demons king's demons i it's, know um, totally overshadows it <laughs> yeah just <laughs> overshadows yeah so yeah the five doctors do haven't seen that in ages i think the last time i watched it was our review actually which was a long old time ago i don't think i've watched it like, since then that is that's ages ago since we reviewed that yeah yeah, yeah. 2015 so still one of my favorite ever doctor who's just because uh that it just blew me away as a kid to five doctors. It still does now just getting them all together like that. It's, um, it's so much fun, isn't it? Like all the doctors are just so much fun in that. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's yeah. brilliant. I did. I didn't get around to watching any Davison. Strangely enough, I was so close. Um, I was trying to get rid of my other half because I was just, I really wanted to watch, um, <laughs> so I could, so I could have the television to myself. I was really close to watching uh, Resurrection of the Daleks last night. Mm-hmm. I just fancied a bit of, um, <laughs> well, we're talking about doom and gloom and death, but I just fancied a bit of, I don't know, just, it, I just kept thinking of certain scenes, like the bit where Davros is sort of unfrozen and then the bit where the Daleks burst through the door and the faces are melting. And I just thought, I'm up for a bit of Dalek action. But I, I didn't get the TV to myself, unfortunately. But that, I really felt like watching that last night. Uh, I nearly subjected my palm to it but uh, I thought it was a bit unfair <laughs> yeah. so um, but uh, yeah I might be able to find time to watch it later it's just one I've just you know like every now and again you just feel like watching a certain story yeah, um, yeah. I just felt like watching that and a couple of friends were talking about Black Orchid yesterday um, in one of the chats I'm in and that's that made me want to watch that as well <laughs> it's cool isn't it's- it how you uh, just even sometimes when you just hear the episode title or the story title you think actually yeah could probably watch that again. Haven't seen it in a while. Yeah, but well, I was I was saying to my friends, uh, so one of them 
hadn't listened to the commentary of Black Orchid. And I said, oh, you, mu- you must listen to that because Peter Davison hates it. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's, quite, it's quite a funny co- commentary on that one. He doesn't hold back at all. And uh, him and Janet. Um, but yeah, yeah. So yeah, those two little stories I might nip on later. Little nuggets. Little nuggets. Little nuggets of awesomeness in that making of dude on Black yeah. Orchid. Yeah, so funny. Davison. You can tell Davison, he's just like, <laughs> yep, yeah, wasn't a fan of this one. <laughs> like, he, do, he, he does speak his mind, yeah, doesn't he? I mean, yeah. I think a long time ago he was perhaps got a bit, um, you know, fans didn't like it. Like I said, you know, oh, Davison was slagging off this story and, you know, I'm going back quite a few years. Oh, you know, Davison's slagging off his era. But I think um, now we quite like the fact that he's, he will say if he doesn't like something, but mm-hmm. he will also praise stuff that he did like. You know? Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. You're black orchid. Yeah, so I watched um, Five Doctors, Mate, and then obviously The Sensorites, and that's uh, all I've been up to. I've just got visions of Adric stuffing his face now, in, you know, from Black Orchid, where he's just eating the entire table <laughs> of food. <laughs> it cracks me up, greedy uh, pig. Greedy little piglet. <laughs> yeah. Pass yeah. the sodium chloride. No, right. <laughs> <laughs> My favourite lines. Right, that's what we've been up to. Yep. Before we crack on with the show, remember to subscribe to us on whatever podcast app you listen to your podcasts on. Just do a search of the Big Blue Box podcast. You'll find us on there. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher. Uh, we're now on the new Amazon Podcasts network that they've just launched recently. We're on Google Podcasts. We're on everything. Just do a search. You'll find us on there. Uh, we'd love to have you as a sub. And if there's um, whatever app allows you to do reviews and ratings, if you could spare a second to do that, that'd be awesome if you like the show because that helps us out loads and loads uh, or head over to the website bigblueboxpodcast.co.uk you can listen to all of our shows on there as well plus there are links to go off to the various social networks that we are on we're on instagram twitter and facebook so come and give us a like and a follow over there we chat doctor who throughout the week and we have a free discord server too so come and join that and hang out now we had a bunch of people join recently over the last week which is good That's so there's cool. tons of who fans there now you know all chatting about doctor who loads of really cool Subjects as well, lots of big finish talk. Uh, people, oh, nice. Yeah, people posting photos of their collections and chat around that, and it's all good. So come and hang out and uh, and chat who over there. And uh, on the website, our writing team have put out some cool articles recently. We had um, uh, Mark Donaldson. Uh, he put out his full four-part review for Restoration of the Daleks um, and the other episodes, uh, The Time War, uh, Volume 4 uh, box set, which is really good. Um, we had... Um, uh, Jordan diving into the big finish vault uh, for Shadow of the Scourge. Uh, he also did his really cool Doctor Who series pitch, where he basically comes up with a whole series of shows that he wants to do for a new series of Doctor Who, and he's up to series five now. So he has put down some awesome ideas um, for, for Doctor Who episodes, which is really cool. Uh, we also had um, the latest big finish, Doctor Who, The Sixth Doctor and Perry, Volume 1. Oh, yeah. Uh, yep, that went up um, by Jordan as well. That's up there now. And then going up later today, we have Maria's review of the McCoy story from Big Finish, The Flying Dutchman and Displaced. Sweet. Which looks pretty good. So literally tons of content over on the Big Blue Box website, as well as all the podcast apps and stuff. So, uh, yeah, go and check that stuff out. Uh, I'm right, going to start a campaign, uh, Jordan Shortman for new showrunner. New showrunner, yeah. He's got some great ideas. I tell you what, dude. Oh, normally, really, 
you like normally when you're sort of sat around the you know the, the table or around the pub or whatever and you're talking about stuff that you would do yeah you know because we're all experts at show running you know a, a big successful tv show and stuff you'd always like say oh yeah i'll do this and i'll do that the stuff that jordan's put down i mean he outlines everything like all the characters the main story plot the titles for all the episodes the synopsis for all of them how they all link together it's very very cool very but i, I like so much more in depth than you and i would do like in a drunken conversation at the bar. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that bloody story. Oh, yeah. I'd have redone that one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, go and check out Jordan's stuff. Well, check out all the stuff because all three of those guys do amazing content, don't they, on our, on our uh, website. They do. Yeah, very, very yeah. cool stuff. Yep. Yeah. Right, dude, let's land it and do uh, a wee bit of News. News. Doctor Who video games are coming next year, bud. Yes. Got two of them, in fact. Two of them on the way. Oh, is there two games? Oh, God. There are two games coming here. One of them is like a typical PC console game, and the other one is a mobile mobile game. So the first one uh, is called Doctor Who The Edge of Reality. And this is... So these guys, I think these guys did the virtual reality um, game last year i think it was called at the edge of time it was called oh edge of time yeah yes so this one is uh, from the same people and it's coming to consoles and pc and uh it kind of well they label it as they it's reimagined and built upon last year's vr experience um and it doesn't say anything about vr this one so assuming that you won't need vr you can just crack on and do that but it's got brand new gameplay apparently new monsters new worlds to explore and players will wield the 13th doctor's sonic screwdriver on a quest to save the universe uh, players will be guided by the 13th doctor voiced by jodie whittaker and joined by the 10th doctor voiced by david tennant which is all good and the synopsis is dive back into um uh, sorry the, uh, the the other game that's coming the mobile game dive back into blink and explore the hidden past of the Weeping Angels in a groundbreaking found phone, handheld, and mobile game. So I think what they mean by that is, you know, the horror movie style that's in the sort of found footage, a bit like the Blair Witch Project, that kind of yes. thing. It's yeah. that kind of style, and it's called The Lonely Assassins, and that's coming to uh, iOS and Android phones, as well as the Nintendo Switch, uh, which is good. So the game will see players uncover and decipher the mystery of a found phone, unravelling a sinister series of events taking place at Wester Drumlins, the iconic uninhabited home featured in the legendary story Blink. Uh, someone is missing and a menacing new nemesis has emerged. Players will work with um, Petronella Osgood and other classic characters as they get steadily closer to the truth. There is only one truth. Don't turn your back, don't look away and don't blink. Which sounds very cool. So the first one, The Edge of Reality, that's like a proper console game with a controller, also on a PC and all that stuff. That's made by Maze Theory. That's coming in spring next year. And um, uh, just a couple more bits on that one. Um, so the console on the PC version, this is The Edge of Reality, uh, is built with current and next-gen consoles in mind. Features new worlds, new puzzles, new challenges and all that stuff. 
Uh, and it's an original Doctor Who story. Uncover a universe-spanning threat as you seek to save reality from a series of time-breaking glitches. Continue the story that began in the edge of time and partner with the Doctor to unearth a greater mystery. Uh, so it's got new enemies and AI come face-to-face with classic monsters, including the Daleks and the Weeping Angels. Experience the metal-clad terror of the Cybermen and more foes yet to be revealed. So that one sounds like a really cool sort of big in-depth proper story. The other one, The Lonely Assassins, that looks more like a sort of fun, you can probably do that in an hour or so, um, uh, sort of mobile game. And uh, Ian Hambleton, who is the CEO of Maze Theory, the company that are making the games, he has said, with our partners at BBC Studios, we are expanding the Doctor Universe through a groundbreaking trilogy of experiences now delivered across multiple devices and platforms. The uniting of the 13th Doctor and the 10th Doctor in Edge of Reality is set to be an epic moment in a game that completely reimagines last year's VR experience. While The Lonely Assassins tells a brand new story, exploring the legend of one of the most iconic episodes ever. As part of Doctor Who, Time Lord Victorious, we have also delivered an amazing fan-centric update to the VR game, The Edge of Time. These launches reaffirm the studio's commitment to take players on exciting and unexpected narrative journeys. Mm. And then there's a few screenshots. I'll put a link in the show notes to um, to these things here. So we've got a trailer on YouTube. That's for the Edge of Reality, which looks kind of cool. And then we've got the um, the iOS game, The Lonely Assassins. And uh, uh, it's like a series of screens. Like there's a phone call that comes in from Osgood. And there's like a, you can see like a chat message between you and Osgood and it's like a bit of a detective story. You're covering, like, you know, uncovering the details and solving the problem and stuff like that. So The Edge of Reality, that launches on PlayStation, Xbox, Switch, and PC or Steam in spring. The Lonely Assassins comes out on iOS, Android, and Nintendo Switch. Same time, spring next year. And uh, both of them are made by Maze Theory Productions. So a couple of video games, did on yeah. the way. Looks pretty decent. I was going to say, it um, sounds pretty good, doesn't it? Hmm. Uh, like the artwork. I'll tell you what, I'd love to see. They talk about new monsters and stuff. I mean, I, you know, Daleks, Weeping Age of Cybermen, all very good. Looks straight on the poster. But wouldn't it be great to have a Zygon on there? Like, you know, I'd like to see the Zygon. Because I'm getting a little bit, yeah, you know, borders of Daleks stuff. They <laughs> seem to be everywhere. But imagine a Zygon on that poster would, would look awesome. Um, yeah. This does take me back to a little conversation we were having the other day, though, when we were saying about... Tenant and because we both love Tenant being a bit sort of oversaturated, they really are going for this 10th, 13th pair up, aren't they? It seems to be everywhere now. It's the comics, you know, this game, uh, there's something coming up in, in the next section we're going to do with these guys. So they're really sort of pushing the 10 and 13 thing, um, which is great because I, I, I mean, I, I don't really have a problem with it myself, but I know a lot of people feel that it's sort of, uh, you know, we should be just focusing on Jodie because she is the current doctor and I. I do get that side of the argument as well. It does feel like they're, uh, they, it feels a bit like they're afraid to let Jodie sort of stand on her own a bit. And I don't know if that's just because of the decline in sales in merch that they feel they've got to add on 10 because they know he's still very, very popular or what. But um, mm, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I think this, this to me sounds very, very good. But I do, I do get why some people, like Jodie fans in particular, are a bit like, oh, 10 again. You know, why does he, <laughs> why does he have to be hanging around? But uh, yeah. Sounds pretty decent. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And the trailer for um, The Edge of Reality it shows off like it doesn't show much in the way of um, uh, gameplay too much, but it does show off the graphics a little bit. And the graphics do look kind of cool. So 
That's good. Yeah, it's not a bad trailer, actually. Right. So we finally got some news about the up and coming festive special <laughs> called Revolution of Daleks. So uh, <laughs> there was a, a thing at the New York Comic Con recently where they uh, this lady interviewed uh, Jody and uh, it was a uh, Mandip and I think it was Bradley Walsh, wasn't it? Bradley, yeah, it's yeah. the three, wasn't it? Yeah, to interview those. I watched a little bit of it. Um, I don't know why. I just didn't. I, it's, it's another thing I need to go back and and watch fully. I, I watched a bit of it, but it, it, I don't know. It, it didn't grab me at the time. I was probably in a bad mood, <laughs> so I haven't I haven't watched the full panel yet. I think I don't know. I just sometimes those guys just don't grip me, and sometimes they they do, and I just yeah I haven't watched it fully. But they did during that whole uh, New York Comic Con. They did release two new. Uh, images from the forthcoming special just to whet our appetite i think a lot of people were hoping for a trailer which we didn't get i think a lot of people were hoping that they were going to confirm if it was christmas or new year's special which they haven't it's still called the festive special um so we got two images we've got one of the doctor in like a red uh jumpsuit this is i guess a prison garb and she's scratching lots of um lines on the chalkboard as if as if she's like counting the days in the cell and then the second image is Graham, Yaz, and Ryan sat around a coffee table looking bored uh, or <laughs> pensive, whichever you want to say. So we've got two new images. Uh, not a lot, really. I think we were expecting a little bit more, but nice to get something. And we've got a synopsis as well, which is, the Doctor is locked away in a high-security alien prison, isolated, alone, with no hope of escape. Enter Jack. Oh, sorry. Um Far away on Earth, her best friends, Yaz, well, of course, it's going to happen, isn't it? Uh, far away on Earth, her best friends, Yaz, Ryan, and Graham have to pick up their lives without her. But it's not easy. Old habits die hard, especially when they discover a disturbing plan forming. Ooh, a plan which involves a Dalek. How can you fight a Dalek without the Doctor? So, yeah, so it's, it's an intriguing it makes it sound like it's going to be a Doctor Light episode, doesn't it? It sounds I'm almost getting sort of, um, uh, what was it, Christmas Invasion, when Tennant was hardly in it when he slept in bed. Mm-hmm. Or, was that a Christmas Invasion? Yeah, it was, yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah. I'm sort of getting those sort of vibes. I mean, I don't know if it will be, but um, mm. yeah, it sounds like the fam, the fam have got to fight for themselves, if you like. Um, so intriguing. But uh, yeah, I mean, I like the image of the Doctor. I think that's pretty cool because she's got this red you know, jumpsuit. It's, it's, it's something a bit different. Um, she looks a bit different. She's got hair scraped back. You know, she's counting the days. Oh, what's going on? So that that's interesting. But this second promo shot, I mean, seriously, is I know the Chibs likes to keep the cards close to his chest, but mm. it's just them sat around a blooming coffee table. And Ryan looks, he's sort of slumped in his chair. I mean, this, I mean, <laughs> I don't know. Over to you, mate. What do you think of the, what, the content that we got from New York Comic Con? What do you reckon to it? Well, I think it's just... Um... It, it, it certainly doesn't give anything away, does it? The only thing that we no. know, or we potentially know, is the image of Jodie. She's crossing out loads of numbers on the wall. We assume that's how many days, maybe, that she's been imprisoned for. Yeah. Just to take a stab at it. But uh, even that's quite interesting, because normally you'd do like, you do four vertical lines and then one slash through it to make five. These have all got uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, these have all got eight vertical lines and then a cross over them. So this is these are in groups of ten, which is weird. You wouldn't, you know. Anyway, 
yeah, so that looks um kind of thing. And then you've got, yeah, like he said, a bit of a somber mood around the table with those guys. I think it's just meant to sort of serve up the, I think it's meant to introduce the story as things are not going well for both the mm. doctor and the fam. <laughs> and um, yeah, so I, I guess it's a case of like, okay, we're going to pick up the story here. Things are not going well at all, but it's going to be a happy time. It's This is going to go out over Christmas or New Year. So we assume that by the end of the story, everything's going to be great and wonderful like the Lego movie. Everything's going to be awesome. Everything's <laughs> awesome. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. mean, they they do go with the synopsis. I totally get that. It's, it, I mean, you look at the two pictures; it does sum up exactly what they said. They're the family on their own, doctors in prison. Got it. Um, what do you think of the actual synopsis, though? Uh, does that does that sound good? Uh, yes and no. I'm yeah. I'm getting pretty bored with Daleks these days, mate. I think everyone they um, are a bit oversaturated at the minute, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah. And we had a Dalek special last Christmas as well. It does. Yeah. I mean, I, I get the feeling they're going to try something different with them. I think. I mean, that is one thing with Chibs, is he he does, uh, I think, always try and pull a surprise out of the bag somehow. Mm. So, I mean, if you think about uh, the last special, um, I'm trying to think now, did we know the Daleks were in it? Or it, it wasn't confirmed, was it? But he managed to do something a bit different with the Daleks sort of being that, you know, the squid-like mm. mutant for most of it. So he, I get the feeling he's giving us this, but there'll be more to us. Well, there's got to be more to it, but I get the feeling he'll try and do something different. Yeah, hopefully yeah <laughs> and also we're we're quickly running out of uh nouns or adjectives to use for these stories like it's something of the daleks like we've yeah true over, yeah you know, so we're quickly running out of um of descriptors we can use for like for dalek stories and also for the time lord victoria stuff there's an awful lot of dalek stuff going on there and yeah and then we've got big finish still pumping out the stuff you know and then that animated film what was it genetics of the daleks or something like that and, mm. oh yeah that, that yeah that yeah. a lot of the daleks things begin with r as well it's like revolution of the daleks remembrance of the daleks revelation of the daleks uh, <laughs> yeah. revolution and so there's a lot of r in the daleks i'm trying to think if there are any we haven't used um uh off the top of my head no did you watch any of the comic con interview by the way uh, uh, yeah much? yeah i did watch it yeah, yeah. Uh, not live but i watched it on youtube after it after it went yeah. out was um yeah, it was kind of cool. It was cool to see just people talking about Doctor Who again, a new Doctor Who, which is good. Yeah. And they they all seem to be like, especially Jodie, they all seem to be really high spirits. Like, you can tell they're just trying to be like, don't worry, everybody. You know, we can't tell you exactly when, but new Who <laughs> is on the way. Don't worry. It's all good. Um, so they were trying to keep everything up upbeat. And You, you do and, always get the impression that Chibnall's just, just out of shot at the side of him. Like frowning. just leaning over, frowning, like don't say anything. No, we won't. We won't. No, he does. He does like to keep close to his chest. Now I will go back and watch it. Probably I, I only watched a, a little bit of it. Um, I'm trying to think what the presenter called Bradley, and when she introduced it, because it was quite funny. Because he looked a bit like what? He she said, "Oh, and you're the not the scamp." I can't remember. She used sort of like quite an unusual. I think she meant you, you're like the comedy, you know, you, the comedy sort of character. But she called him something, and it. It's an unusual term, hmm. but yeah. No, I'll go. I'll go back and watch it properly, uh, just to see what what's it. But I, I, I knew they wouldn't give too much away. I know that was never going to happen. No, no. Uh, so yeah, two new promo images there to whet your appetite, and um, you know we are creeping towards. You know, time is flying by at the minute. Uh, this is going to be, this is going to be here before we know it. I reckon. But then yeah. it's just what worries me is we're going to get this special, and then 
And then it just feels to me like a void. Like there is just nothing, <laughs> you know, anytime soon after this goes out. So I almost, although I'm looking forward to it, I'm almost sort of dreading it being over because then I think, oh, then it's a massive gap again, isn't it? But yeah. Anyway. And there, there are rumours knocking around that the because of the delays with COVID that we're not going to get any who next year. It's going to be 2022. Oh, I wouldn't according. be at all surprised. Yeah. yeah, I would not be at all surprised. So, yeah, mate. Yeah. Not good. Can you think of any dar- an R word that we could use? For, um, um, with R. With R, yeah, that hasn't been used. So revolution, remembrance, revelation. Revenue of the Daleks. Let them set up a business. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm not sure, man. Uh, yeah, work on that. Reaction. Reactions of the Daleks. Recipes of the <laughs> Recipes of the Daleks. That's a good one. Yes. Uh, they could be in the new cookbook. Yeah. Relationships of the Daleks. <laughs> uh, yeah. Have we had resistance yet? Have we had resistance? Oh, of no, the that's a good, that's, that's good. Resistance. That's a good one. Mm. Yeah. I, unless Big Finish have used it. But that, I like, actually quite like that. Resistance. You know that. that's coming at some point. That's got to be used, yeah. I await my check in the post. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah, dude, that's, um, yeah, for the season special i bloody hate this man just tell us it's coming because there's only a week right before in between crimbo and new year yeah you can't tell me that they are still undecided about stuff that needs to be done that would affect this episode rolling over by five days just tell us now is it a crimbo special or is it a new year special exactly whatever yeah, yeah. so we can plan our lives for god's sake <laughs> just let us live Yes, right. <laughs> so anyway, yeah. Revolution of the of the overused space mutants. That's it. <laughs> right, dude. Let's talk about some merch. Let's do that. Okay. Merch corner. Merch corner. Merch corner. It's a bit rubbish, but it's pretty. Very pretty. Well, there you are, young man. What do you think of that now, eh? A Viking helmet. I know, it's on the telly. It's everywhere. Whether to be impressed or disgusted. I work in a shop now, here to help. He's loving all, he's loving all this Dalek chat, isn't he? Look at him, look. Yeah, he's going oh, around Dalek the circles. Ta- oh, God. loving it. And he's gone. Yeah, just like that. Good mood lasted <laughs> about three seconds, mate. <laughs> doesn't, like to let, doesn't like to let the guard down. He doesn't like to be seen to be happy. He feels like he's yeah. dropping the hard act, you know. He's a Dalek, he's not meant to be happy. What's that? Well, we we chose R just because of the other ones. All right. Ooh. Apparently, there are other letters in the alphabet we can use for those <laughs> stories. Apparently, but I don't know. Anyway, bye bye. Uh, B and M stocks. Oh, don't bloody B and M, mate. Oh, don't get me. Don't. This is. Don't get me started on this. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like the rant jingle might be pulled out of the box. Oh today. yeah, yeah. Get it. Yeah. B&M stocks, apparently, have now been sorted out. Oh, have they? For the October stock. So I think this is a carryover. So I think there there was a couple of sets that came out in September. Plus, we got a few sets that are coming out this month in October. But there's just been a bit of hokey-cokey. Is your left foot in or out? Are you in or out? Come on. Character, are you sending them out or you're not? And B&M, are you displaying them or are you not? We don't want to do turnaround. 
We just want to have it on the shelf. Simple. But that doesn't it seem to be, be the case. Yeah. yeah, it should be simple. Yeah. yeah. So apparently, stocks have now all arrived in the sort of warehouses for B&M, and they are going to be distributed to all the shops within the next few days, in the coming days, apparently. Uh, now, we're reading this story on uh, the Doctor Who site.co.uk. Brilliant website we've used over the years. Oh, I use it. I literally yep. look at it every day. Yeah, it's yeah. cool. So they have uh, also very handily put some barcodes up. So I believe there's an app, right, for B&M that you can scan a barcode and you can see... <laughs> I, was, I, would, I was about to say where you can see where things are in stock, but apparently that's a bit of a loose phrase these days. You can see roughly if that particular item is on the planet and then you can see very very roughly if it happens to be in our country and then even more roughly if it happens to be at a shop near you that's how i understand it works it's not far off i mean it's it's a bit of a waste of time so you used to you used to be able to scan the barcode and then it would say whether it was in stock or not but it didn't necessarily mean it was on the shelf so it could just mean it was in stock at their particular you know, local warehouse or whatever. Yeah. Um, now, if you scan it, it just says, um, whatever one you scan, it just says, please, co- please check your local store. <laughs> so you have to, but you can't phone your local store anymore. They've taken that away. Yes. That's it. So you can't phone. <laughs> you can check the app, but it doesn't tell you if it actually has stock. It just tells you to go to store. So in other words, you may as well not bother with the app because the long shot is you just have to go to store and keep checking the checking until they actually put them on the shelves. Yeah, it's ridiculous. So yeah. the app's useless, basically. It's a waste of time. And you can't phone the store. You can't talk to anyone anymore. That's been taken away. So, yeah, you literally just have to keep going to store. Brilliant. Which, um, if you're like me, somebody who doesn't drive, um, I've got the bus uh, three times now to my local. Because I kept thinking, so you can normally gauge, once you start seeing people on Twitter, you know, you start to get a vibe of, Ah, uh, the sets are out there. I'll probably give it to the end of this week and I should be cool. You know, and I, with the previous sets, that's what I've done. I've sort of tried to gauge it from what I'm seeing online, you know, and I, sometimes I've been lucky and sometimes I haven't. The last sets I absolutely struck gold. The day I went, they had had them all out. I got them all in one day. It was great. This time, uh, three times I've been to the, my local b and I've wasted like, uh, so six pounds a trip, six to 18 pounds just on a bus fare to get there. And each time they've just, all they've had is a million fam sets and I said all the old sets. And so it's so frustrating because you're like, there is no other way to check. So you just literally have to keep going to sort of, and my local store isn't that close to me. Hence the, uh, you know, bus ride there. And I know a lot of people have the same thing. You, you know, you have to travel out miles to get to it. Um, so yeah, it's a bit frustrating, but they're saying stocks arriving, but you, yeah. Uh, so yeah. yeah, it is a bit frustrating. It is a bit frustrating. I mean, this is why, I mean, I know you don't collect the figures, so it's probably, I wish I was like that, but I just am a collector, always have been, always want to get the sets, especially a TARDIS. And um, yeah, drives you crackers, drives you crackers. In fact, uh, what's happened is I, I got so fed up with wasting money uh, on the bus fare that uh, a friend of mine uh, on Twitter, I mean, we have met at a convention, but uh, we've been friends on Twitter for quite a while. 
a guy called Tom from the Dot Two Pages, uh, said, "Dude, like, if, you know, if my locals got some sets, do you want me to grab you one?" I was like, "Nick, can you? These are the ones I want. I want the Tardis. I want the the Fourth Doctor unit. If you see them, grab them for me, dude." Got them, sent them to me. Arrived two days later. Paid him for the postage. You, you know, just literally charged me for the sets. And I thought, if Tom, my mate from Twitter, can do it, why the blimminette can't they sell these online and mm-hmm. you know just make life easy for everyone? It's uh, but yeah. So I, thanks to Tom, uh, I've managed to get the Tardis and uh, a couple of other sets. And also, uh, haven't got it yet. But our good friend, uh, you know, Prog to Who podcast, our good friends from Prog to Who. Oh, podcast, Prog to, yeah, great podcast. Mark yeah. is yeah. Uh, picking up a Tardis for. There's a, a young lad who lives uh, up the road from me. He's like my little B and M spy as well. So he, because he's uh, he's at school, so he gets to go in with his dad, and you know he keeps checking for me. In other words, he's like, no, he keeps, no, they haven't got them yet. Haven't got them. I said, I can get you a Tardis, mate. So Mark from Proctor Who is very kindly sending a, a Tardis uh, for him. So it's you know it's really nice that the Dot Two fandom, although it gets a bad rep, we're all sort of helping each other out getting these blimmin' <laughs> sets. But, but it shouldn't be like that, should it? Like you said, what's difficult? Make the sets. Send them to the shop, put them on the shelves. Why why is it so difficult? Mm-hmm. And why are they all on eBay for like and they are, they're all on eBay for like fifty quid each. Yeah. Oh you know, the old why? scalpers. Yeah. Because that was the thing I started to think. So somebody said, Well, I think all the B and M staff are just selling them themselves. And I was like, Well, no, I mean that's I'm sure that's not happening, but it, it feels like, yeah, it feels like they're going straight from the warehouse to eBay, because there's loads of these sets on eBay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, so I don't know. I don't know where these people are getting them from. I'm, I'm sure, but uh, mm-hmm. yeah, and I'm not blaming the B and M staff. But I don't want to lawsuit. I'm not saying they are doing that. I'm just saying <laughs> a lot of these sets are on eBay, and it's it's really frustrating. Well, they probably are, yeah. mate. Yeah. Well, no, let, <laughs> just yeah. Well, let's confirm it here. They 100 percent are doing it. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're not saying that at all. It's just uh, no. It just feels very. It feels like this is much harder work <laughs> than what it should be is the, the crux of the matter. It yeah, feels exactly, like, because yeah. the other thing that rubs salt in a wound is this app and the barcode. So oh, the, the Doctor app. Who site, I'll, I'll put a link to it. You can go and check it out. If you want to try your luck um, for your local B&M, uh, install the app, give the barcode a scan. You might get something, I don't know, but you know, the B&M do say that the barcodes that are used to check stock, stock uh, through the app, um, they can show either when stock's on its way or if it's in the waiting room, or if it's been put out, or if it's already sold, it's just not a conclusive, like, yes, they've got stock, or no, they haven't. So, um, and these guys as well, they make a very good point. They say, we strongly advise you make whatever checks you need um, to check whether they have availability before travelling. Now, that is quite difficult, as you said, mate, because you can't call the stores anymore. So if you scan the barcode and it says, yep, we've got stock, just be aware, that doesn't mean that they have stock out on the shelf it might mean that that store is expecting stock within the next however many days or hours. So if you get there and they don't have it, you can't really get angry at the staff because it's not their fault. It's just they just don't have a very good inventory system that you can see what's actually there or not. So it's a bit of a strange one. Anyway, the the, the sets that are out there, you've got the Companions of the Third and Fourth Doctor set. You've got Friends of the Thirteenth Doctor set. You've got Terror of the Zygon set. Um, History of the Daleks, uh, set number three, set number four, and the Fifth Doctor and TARDIS visitation set. So yeah. they're the they're the ones that everyone's sort of trying to find at the moment. Some of them are harder to find than others. Uh, I was in a B and M here in my town 
uh, week before last and I saw the Companions of the Third and Fourth Doctor set on the shelf as well as the Friends of the Thirteenth Doctor set on the shelf. I didn't see any of the others though. So they only had those couple there. It's 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 not a very pleasant experience because I mean I when, even when you do go to store and I've had this a few times now. Um, so I asked uh, one of the assistants. She was putting out stock, and because uh, this what the website we talk about gives the product codes as well as the barcode, I just said to her, "Are you able to check if you're you know got any of these? Because I've known friends before that have um, gone to check and they're like, oh yeah, we've got them, and they will literally go and get them from out the back. We're just putting them out. I'll go and grab you one." Um, God, you'd think I was asking for her to like shut the shop and just put the shutters down. You know, it's like <laughs> such an effort as well. She was like, oh, but like, it means I've got to go and get a, mach- a machine. I went, oh, well, would you mind? She, oh, so off she plods, gets this little, looks like a little, looks like a card reader type thing. She puts in the cage, she snaps back. No, we haven't got them. And I was thinking, okay, <laughs> all oh, right. And I was just thinking, but that's, it's always like that. And I, I guess because they probably get so fed up that every time they get new Dot Who sets in, that's probably the thing that they just constantly get asked. And it's like, oh, mm-hmm. Doctor Who sets, please stop asking us for Dot But even so, it just makes just, the whole thing is just so unpleasant. I just wish that character would just sell these online like they did with the uh, recent Dalek Jungle set where they just sold it online, everyone could get them. And it was, yeah, they arrived through the post. It's just so much easier than, than this palaver every time. Yeah, I mean, I've done a few videos on it, haven't I? You've seen my YouTube video where I go on trekked, what was it, two or three waves back. I did uh, trekked halfway across the blooming country to get these things, <laughs> you know. And it was quite, it's kind of fun to begin with because it's, you know, oh, I'm off to sort of Oxford. There's a found, managed to find a store. I'm off to see if they still got, you know, it's, but it's not, to quote Tegan, it stopped being fun, doctor. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> you know, it's, yeah. not, it's not fun anymore. Yeah, no, I read you, mate. And it's, um, yeah. Yeah, it just, I mean, thank God for, like like you said, the Doctor Who community around yeah. these things. You know, everybody seems to be, like, on the on this website, uh, the Doctor Who site.co.uk, if you go down to the comments, there's already nearly 1,300 comments about these figures. And a lot of those comments are, does anyone know if this part of the country has got them? And someone's like, yep, I was in that shop the other day, they had them. Or, you know, so there's very helpful, like, everyone's trying to help out and, yeah. trying to direct people on where they might have stock and stuff where they've seen it. So, but you're right, mate, it would just be infinitely easier just to be an M just to bugger off. And then just for character, just to open up their own website, like they did with that set you mentioned, just have them all listed on there. You go on, you pre-order and when they're gone, they're gone. And it's just so easy to understand because if you're late to the party and you've missed it, then you at least know that you've missed it. Like yeah. you said, you're not traipsing around the bloody country trying to find them when they're probably not there, but you can't check stock because of B&M's crap. And so I'd imagine there's some kind of contract in place between character and B&M. They've got like a, I don't know if it's like an X number of products they've signed up for, or if it's for a length of time, it could be we have exclusivity for like, I don't know, until 2025 or some ridiculous thing like that. See, this is where I'd like FP to step in because imagine walking in and having all those lovely new sets on display and the Doctor Who section looking all filled out, it'd be amazing. It'd be like the good old days. It'd be like the good old days. <laughs> the good yeah. old days. Oh, the good cool. old days, eh? Yeah. Yeah, cool. I think FP, I'm not sure why they don't have that license. Well, they do FP even sell character stuff? Or is it just yeah. legacy stuff they've got left over? that they have the new ones in eventually? Yeah, because they got, I remember they got the 13th Doctor TARDIS. 
which was a new one. Right. Yeah. So they still, they obviously still have a thing with character. I think what what happened was when the sort of merch figures started to decline, I think sort of um, character must have struck up this deal with B and M, and they did a few tests. You know, they did a few sets that obviously sold quite well. And so, oh, well, you know, this is a good thing, and they've sort of obviously kept that relationship up. And to be fair to B and M, as annoying as I find it having to go to their stores to get these sets, I suppose if they didn't uh, support. And, and and buy into the range, then you know we wouldn't have them in the first place. So you know there is that side of it as well. They they obviously B and M do continue to support the range and stock it and stuff because that's you know that's another thing. It's one thing character producing the sets, but if no one's prepared to sort of stock them, then uh, you're stuck. So you know there's there's more to it than just <clears throat> it's not all black and white basically. But, no, yeah. but it would be yeah. nice. It would be lovely if it's sort of. I think it's the online thing that really bugs me. I think if you could get them online, that would make such a difference. And I think that's where B and M fall short is because you, you physically have to keep going to the store. Yeah, you know, it's a so. weird one, isn't it? As well, it, it's yeah. weird why B and M would want an exclusivity license with Doctor Who for Doctor Who figures. It's a bit of a random. Maybe some. Maybe an intern at B and M a few years ago worked this deal up. <laughs> and it lasted for X amount of years. I have to just see it through now. So I have to put up with all of this nonsense from Who fans and stuff. But yeah, it would just be cool just for FP, really, just to jump on board and throw a bit of money at it and, and get that exclusivity deal off B&M. Because that way, they'd have it in stock. You'd have it in stock in a lot more places as well. So you'd have it in stock mm. at B&M, FP, whoever else wants to do it, Woolworths, whatever. I, I don't get why it's so hard for them to sell online either, because... You know, I used to have a really basic online store and it was pretty simple. I'd put up a photo of the product. I could control how many I'd got in stock. And then every time one sold, it took one off. I just uh, I think if I can do it and <laughs> I am I am terrible with technology. I'm just I don't even I really don't like using computers. It's just, you know, I'm just not comfortable with them. So but if I can do it, I don't understand why a company like B&M can't add these things to their website. Because they've got a website, they sell things. I don't know why Doctor Who can't be added to it. But I'm sure, again, I'm sure there's reasons. But yeah, it does make it a bit frustrating. Yeah. yeah. Weird times. Anyway, weird times. Anyway, they're out there. If you want to put on your, you want to put on your surgical masks and go to a store and be around people that's the only way you're going to get them <laughs> and uh yeah they do look pretty decent yeah they do that's yeah plushes dude oh i love a plush you're like a plush don't you <laughs> <laughs> i actually don't i don't know why i said that because i don't i don't own a lot of plushes but uh yeah yeah i, I remember think... the do you remember the angry 12th doctor plush oh now, yeah yeah i never got him he looked terrible, but I kind of wanted him because he looked so angry and terrible. It was the eyebrows. Yeah, it was a manic. I was because mm. I was going to get that plush, but I never got him. But, yeah. Yeah. But what are these ones? Tell us about these new ones. Well, the new ones—they've released two new ones for Children in Need, which is cool. Oh, yeah, yeah. So this year, Children in Need—it's uh, going to be slightly different to all the other ones for obvious reasons. So I think in order to uh, to just make some 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 cool stuff around it and to get some. Some extra cash through the door because they won't be doing the. Um, actually, will they be doing the the big TV three or four hour thing? I'm not sure. Might be. Yeah, they'll probably do it like a virtual audience thing, like a lot of them, something yes. like that. Yeah. Mm. So we all know that. Well, some of us know that over the years there's been a good relationship between Children in Need and the Doctor Who thing. 
We've seen some very cool sketches, haven't we, over the years, the children in the Doctor Who thing. Yeah. Going back to the uh, going back for years and years, wasn't there a Rowan Atkinson sketch years ago for children? Oh need? yes. Uh, well, it might have been Red Nose Day. I can't remember, but yeah, there was, wasn't there? It's was like Rowan Atkinson, Richard E. Grant. Yeah, um, yeah. There was a couple of things like that. Yeah. Some really cool ones. Yeah. So we had Doctor Who has got a good old thing going. So this year, there's no big uh, comedy sketch or anything like that, but they have launched two new plush teddies, which are 100 percent recycled, by the way. Are they? Yeah. Ooh. Yep. So they're in the style of the Pudsy Bear. So anyone from the UK will know that children need the mascot is the the, the Pudsy uh, teddy bear. And the um well the one of them is anyway. And uh we've got a 13th doctor which you might expect as she is the current doctor and who do you think out of all the doctors that they would pick who do you think has the other one did? Well, obviously, it's William Hartnell. Obviously. The first Doctor. Oh, no, it's, it's the Tenth. Of course, it's David the Tenth, tenth of Doctor. Course. Yes. Mr. Tennant, he really needs to stop uh, <laughs> paying the BBC <laughs> for, um, for his Doctor. Because, yeah, the, the Tenth Doctor is bloody everywhere at the minute. So. <laughs> he really is. But anyways, yeah, we've got two plushes. One is in the style of the Tenth Doctor, and that is the, I would say that's the closest to the Pudsy Bear one because it's still got the yellow Pudsy Bear fur and the... Um, the bandage around one of its eyes. But he is in the nice um, brown pinstripe suit with his little converse on and his little brown coat does look pretty pretty cute. Yeah, I must admit, it's a, it's a nice tie-in with children need. I, I do think these are very cute. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, they're, although they are going to be limited, what I like about this is that they're made to order, so it's not a case of like, oh, they've already sold out. You can, I think there's a limited time you can order them up to. Is it November something? 30th of November. Yeah. 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 So you've got to get your order in before then. Um, and then they'll be delivered. I think actually it's quite a bit of a wait on these. I think it's spring next year that they actually will start getting delivered. But uh, they are cute. And it's, a, you know, children needs a great cause. So I, I do honestly think these are a lovely little tie-in for children in need. They, they do look good. Yeah, they yeah. do. They do, yeah. And the, the 13th Doctor one, slightly different. Uh, that um, plush has got a bit more of a classic teddy bear feel uh, in yeah. terms of... And it's instead of the bandage over one eye, um, they've turned it into a, little, into a little bow that they've put on top of her head, mm-hmm. which looks very cute indeed. And it's in the typical Jodie outfit with the blue T-shirt with the stripes on and the, the grey coat and whatnot. So these will set you back twenty pounds, which is actually pretty reasonable, dude. Um, yeah. Normally these things, I'll tell you what, mate. My uh, my two nieces recently uh, did one over on my sister and her husband. They went into this place in the UK. We have these shops called Builder Bear Workshops. I've heard of those. Yeah. Crikey! One hundred and twenty pounds later, oh, they came no. out of there for a thing <laughs> smaller than these. Really? Unbelievable. Yeah. Anyways, uh, these will set you back 20 quid each. You can get, I'll put a link to the show notes. Um, you have to order them from the children who need website directly. Um, but everything's legit through there. You can see some more pictures and, and all that stuff. Size wise, uh, they're about 30 centimeters tall. Uh, if anyone's trying to picture that in their head, if you just picture like a standard school ruler, um, that's like the kind of height of them. Uh, they come individually numbered with their own little pudsy passport. And they're made to order, as Adam said, and they're all uh, all made from recycled stuff and they come in recycled packaging and everything. So nice and environmentally friendly. And the most important thing also, 
that Adam also mentioned earlier, is it's for a good cause. Everything goes towards um, uh, children in need, which is very cool. Yeah, I just realised, do you remember um, we got Time Crash was part of children in need. Remember the when the fifth doctor met the tenth? Oh, yeah. That yeah. was children in need, wasn't it? Amazing. That was, I remember loving that. Yeah. That was amazing. So, that was cool. I don't know if we'll get any exclusive content this year. Um, probably not, but you never know. <laughs> probably not, but it'd be probably a nice surprise not. if so. <laughs> it, yeah. It would, yeah. Yeah. So that's your news and merch all done. Review time. Yes. My boy. Uh, well, actually, yeah. Hmm. What? Yes. Chesterton. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, we are uh, meeting up with the first doctor this week in a story called The Sensorites. Out there is a planet we call the Sensosphere. The creatures on it, the Sensorites, have always prevented us from leaving this area of space. You mean they have some kind of power over your craft? Somehow they have some control over our brains. And yet they've never made any actual effort to destroy us. Sensorites, they're near us now. Doctor. The Sensorites, get back, get away. You're in no position to threaten us. Grandfather, look! We're heading straight for it! What is it you want about? None of you can ever again leave the area of the fence sphere. Otherwise, we'll all be killed. I should cause you more trouble than you bargained for. It is useless to resist. The Doctor is near death. The other two approached it. I see victory for all my parents. Wow, quite a trailer. <laughs> quite a trailer, yeah. Indeed, yeah, the Sensorites. Way back in the day, this first went out on the 20th of June, 1964. And the last part went out on the 1st of August in 1964. Uh, it's a six-parter, and it was written by uh, Peter Newman, directed by Mervyn Pinfield for episodes one to four and Frank Cox for episodes five and six. It stars William Hartnell as the first Doctor. Uh, and then we have our early TARDIS team of Susan, Barbara and Ian. And the story is kind of, so they arrive on board a kind of random spaceship at the beginning of the story, and their initial concern is for the human crew that they find. They think they're dead to begin with, but it turns out they're just suffering from telepathic interference from these <laughs> beings called the Sensorites. That damn, uh, damn telepathic interference. Yeah, that damn thing. <laughs> yep. Uh, Susan manages to communicate with them and finds that they fear uh, an attack by humans because they've been burnt in the past uh, by previous humans. Uh, so this is just like a defense mechanism, I suppose. Uh, they travel to the Sense Sphere, which is the Sensorites planet, where the Doctor seeks to cure an illness which has been put in the water supply um, from a from a Sensorite that's up to no good. Mm. Uh, it kind of affects Ian as well. And uh, so, and it's all, there's a little bit of politics going on as well within like the, the leadership and the sensorites. And um, yeah, so it's, uh, it's a bit of a, a mystery, a bit of detective work needed as well. So alongside the sensorites, just being quite fearful of having humans around. There's also one of them in the ranks is, uh, is out for, for power, unlimited power. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so, the Sensorites, dude. Mm. What do you reckon? It's a, it's a strange one. I, there is a good story here, I think. There is some really good ideas. 
Um, it just feels very laboured. I think it probably is just because it's a six-parter. I think it's too stretched. Um, I think it probably would have been a, a good four-parter because there is enough going on to sustain four episodes, definitely. Um, but it just plods along a bit, really. Uh, I hadn't realised there was two directors um, until you just said, which is quite interesting because one of the things that was really lacking in this story for me was was the direction. Very, very basic. Um, I mean, I know we're in the first series of Doctor Who here, so it's the first season. But, uh, yeah, it didn't feel like they were injecting much sort of energy or style or anything into the way it was filmed. But I have to say what saves it is the cast, um, who I think are really good in it. I mean, I, I love this TARDIS team. absolutely love the Doctor and Susan, Barbara, Ian. I just, they're brilliant. Even though you've got, like, you know, three TARDIS crew with the Doctor, I think they always sort of work really well together. Um, even Susan gets something to do with a bit of t- telepathy. So it's a good story, but yeah, just it, it does drag quite a bit in places, um, being six episodes. And, and as I said, the pace of it is, is quite slow. Um, it feels a bit laboured, really. So it's, it's not up there as one of my favourite Hartnells, but um, I think it's got stuff going for it. I think it's got a lot of stuff going for it. But yeah, it just falls a bit flat, really, this one. You know, there's some great mm. moments, just not enough of them to sustain those six parts. It's I found myself getting quite bored at times. Mm-hmm. Um, and the production as well. So like the faces of the centurites, in, <laughs> in my mind, uh, I always picture them looking really scary and creepy. And then I see, we get to see some quite close-up shots of the masks, and they're pretty bad. They, you know, they're pretty cheap. They, I mean, they're kind of weird and scary in their own way, but especially the one that comes up at the, at the window, you know, the, the cliffhanger. That's a great cliffhanger because mm-hmm. it just looks so weird because you're like, oh, whoa, what was that? Um, so I think if you're watching this back in 1964, I think as a kid you'd, you'd find the sense rights quite creepy, but it'd be one of those things that if you put it on now, having watched it back then, I thought, oh, I remember how scary they were, and you'd watch it and think, wowzers, they look rubbish. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, but it's got a lot going for it. I just don't think it quite... Um, I think it could have been a lot better. I think there was a, some really good ideas in here that just never kind of come to fruition. Fruition, is that? Fruition. Fruition. Yep. Yeah, okay. there's some great ideas that just never quite come full circle in it. I don't don't really get utilised well enough. So, but it was all right. It was all right. Good cast. I, I did love. Did, did think the cast are really good. Mm. Mm. Yeah. So it's a bit middle of the road. This one. Hmm? Yes, what? Mm. <laughs> there is a lot of fluffs in this, isn't there? Oh, there is no. a lot of fluff. I was just, I was laughing. I mean, this is, I said to you at the start of the pod, there were loads of scenes in this where I thought if we were watching this together, we'd <laughs> crack it up, you know, like the, like the sensor right creeping in and nicking the TARDIS lock. How the hell did they not see him? Yeah, it's <laughs> only like, six feet away. Just creeps in, nicks <laughs> the blimmin' TARDIS lock within second. I mean, that was just a bit ludicrous, really, but yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah. Some of the, they were just trying to think. There were quite a few bits where I just imagined you cracking up at this, but yeah, there were yeah. some Scooby Doo moments in this for sure. Yeah. yeah. Also, yeah. the sensorites themselves—they're so funny unintentionally, aren't they? Like, oh, the lights tooted out the lights, and I'm scared, <laughs> you know, and all that sort of thing. Uh, and uh, what's the other thing they can't do? They got—I'm sure one of them says they've got no eyelids, but then you see a close-up and they've got eyelashes, which is a bit odd. Yeah, um, <laughs> got some killer eyelashes. Eyelashes, yeah. Yeah, he yeah. says he's afraid. Of, oh, they're afraid of sound. I mean, they get a great again, great idea that they're, you know, don't shout at us. You know, it's a great, 
Some great ideas in there, but they, yeah, I found them quite funny at times. <laughs> anyway, over to you, mate. I'm a bit, I'm sort of a bit middle of the road on this one, personally. I liked it in some ways, but I found it a bit of a struggle in other, in other ways. So hmm. yeah, a bit middle of the road, this one. Yeah. What do you, what do you reckon? Yeah. I mean, I quite like this one, mate. I do. You liked it, yeah? Yeah, I do quite like it. The only thing is hmm. uh, I'm agree- in agreement with you on the, on the kind of, the pacing and the it does lag a little bit as we go through. This yeah. would have been a great four parter. Oh, it would. I really think it would have been a good, yeah, good yeah, four part. Would have been great. And they've got some. Uh, it, it really is one of those early stories that has that wonderful low budget who charm about it, doesn't it? You know, when we yeah. we jest a lot about um, the the charm of early classic Doctor Who and stuff like that. This really, really has all that stuff. So uh, it, does. it has all the. Um, you know, the cheap looking props and sets and not just Hartnell, but a lot of people fluffing their lines and just carrying on and yeah, and all that stuff. And, uh, and, um, you know, the little, at the end of episode one, we see the little sensor out in space and he's trying to fake zero gravity and he's like <laughs> waving his arms around and all that stuff. It's got that really nice, um, sort of old school charm, which is really cool. And it's, it's one of those few stories as well, where, the the quality is quite consistent across all six parts. They've still got those old 16 mil tele recordings as well. So mm. you don't go from like fuzzy, blurry one episode to really sharp, awesome, and then a tele snap episode and all the rest of it. It's, it's a nice, cohesive, sort of consistent experience watching it in all six parts. Yeah. It just happens to be part of the problem that it is over six parts. It's just a bit, I got a bit bored uh, sort of two thirds of the way through. Yeah, it does um, go around in circles a bit, doesn't it? There's a lot of um, things they sort of they, they plot to get the they plot to sort of get rid of the doctor and and then they sort of do it. They plot later to sort of you know make him look bad. There's there's a lot of things where they try do the same thing over and over again in the last couple of episodes because it starts off great on that spaceship and all the mystery and the sensorizers themselves. But I think as we get into parts sort of four, five, and six, there is a lot of um, yeah, a lot of repetition. Yeah. 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 And it's got some really cool, like you said, it's got some great stuff in it, some great ideas, like the sensorites themselves. Mm. Uh, we know that Russell T. Davis took the, uh, the the inspiration for the Ood is from the sensorites. Oh, is it? I didn't know that. Yeah, so the basic yeah. concept of Ood, of the Ood, is based on those. And um, I can't remember what episode it was, but I think back in series three, two or three, whichever one had the first Ood story in it, one of the yeah. commentaries, he said that the Ood sphere uh, is in the same um, solar system as the Sen sphere. Oh, right. Yeah, so it's um, so there's some great stuff in here. So modern Who writers have, uh, have taken some some little nuggets from here and used it in in modern Who, which is cool. I like that. Yeah, and the actual the actual concept of the whole um, uh, telecommunic. Um, uh, telepathic communication and stuff like that is all really cool and interesting. And the fact that we learned that Susan's got a bit of a, an ability there, because <laughs> that was really cool. There was one scene where Susan's talking to one of them and we get that really, really cool thing. Cause we, we, Susan's a bit of an anomaly really, isn't she in the world of Doctor yeah. Who? Because um, a lot of people sort of bundle her in with just being an, you know, a companion to the doctor. Uh, we obviously know that she's she is a time lord, right? Yeah, she, you know she's so it, we have that really cool scene where I think she says like you know when this is all done, 
I can't remember word for word, but the gist of it is when this is all done, you know, we're going to get out of here. And he was like, oh, you're going to go back to earth. And she's like, no, me and my grandfather, we're not from earth. And then she describes a really nice landscape on Gallifrey. Mm. And you kind of think, wow, this is like when she was talking about that, I was like, oh my God, like they really should have explored that a load more Mm. with, with Susan, which is why she should come back. She should come back yeah, uh, and, and do that stuff. But uh, so that was really cool that, so Throughout the story, we do have these lovely little nuggets and really cool little things. Um, and like I said, other writers have picked up on these things and they've you know, have used them for things and stuff like that. So, and we also get that really cool shot where at the beginning, when they all walk out of the TARDIS and the doors open, and then oh, the camera yeah. switches round, and then they we see them all leaving the TARDIS through like so. You get the internal perspective, like those big big doors that open and then we get the external one where from the outside world the doors look like just the normal doors of the TARDIS on the outside so that was like the first time I think that they had done that kind of camera switch where you had that seamless like walking out and then you, you see him walking out the actual TARDIS which is very yeah. cool yeah I thought it was quite adventurous as well because as I said there's not the direction's pretty substandard in this it's very much shoot and you know point and shoot but yeah, there is, I'd forgotten about that. Yeah, so you do actually see them walk sort of out of the TARDIS console onto the spaceship set, which is a, yeah, really interesting shot. And uh, I, I like it when they do things like that now and again, because it just, again, adds to that that mystery. I agree with you about Susan, because obviously, as I said, this is Series 1, so still early days um, with the TARDIS team. They're still getting to know each other, aren't they? And the Doctor, um, there's a lovely scene at the start where the Doctor's talking about Mm, it all started out as a mild curiosity at a junkyard and all this. And now here we are, we're all getting on. And I thought that was good. You can see that they're starting to sort of slowly uh, bond as, as characters. Um, but yeah, Susan's still this sort of strange anomaly. And she does, I think, you know, when we talk about a crowded Tyler's team, I think she is often the one that they don't know what to do with uh, in the early days. It just, she does seem to be a bit sort of left out. So it is nice that she gets stuff like this. And I, this is why I come back to, without going into the whole timeless child thing, I still think it would have been quite interesting if it had turned out to have been Susan, because I think that could have worked, because we don't know much about her, even by the time she leaves. She's, she's just sort of this mystery, you know, the Doctor's granddaughter. is all very strange. So I think she, it would have been quite interesting if she had turned out to be like the timeless child. That, that would have added another layer of mystery to, to Susan, I think. And I would love to see her come back. You know, I'd love to see Caroline Hall come back. I, I, I wanted her to come back in the 50th, to be honest. I think she, you know, she was there at the beginning and I think it would have been lovely if we'd have seen Carol Ann and William Russell in the 50th. I, I, you know, that's that's what I would have loved to have seen, but mm. it wasn't to be. But yeah, she's yeah. A, yeah, it, it, she an interesting character. She is, for sure. But just, but just one that wasn't really explored that much, you know. Yeah, and she she hardly ever gets, the, the, the funny thing is as well is Susan hardly ever gets mentioned like ever after no. after after she left i'm talking all the way up to now i can't remember a conversation where because it's always been a kind of story character thing i suppose where the the doctor never gets too deep and talks about family and stuff even with companions mm. and all that sort of thing but you know even all those times when the doctor complained for so many years that he was the last Time Lord. And after the great, here we go back to the bloody Time War, the great Time War and everything, and 
everybody yeah. was you know even then he was like remember when uh the the tenth doctor thing was going on and with the master came back john sims master and that was yeah. a whole thing around you know i thought i was the last of my kind and he's still alive and all the rest of it susan always gets forgotten about because everything that's happened after the time war it doesn't matter because susan wasn't susan didn't go back to gallifrey right yeah, I mean, it's, it's, again, I think she Susan does get forgotten about. She's kind of swept under the carpet a bit. And again, I think it's because people don't really know where she fits in with the Doctor. They don't want to sort of go down that route. I mean, Big Finish had done some great stuff with her. Um, mm. She's done some brilliant audios with Paul McGann, um, and they, they've they taken her down. And, well, cause I, I can't give away any spoilers, cause they, but they did a great storyline with um, Susan and the Eighth Doctor, which had a, quite a shocking conclusion and i often think about that because i think if she was to come back in the tv series bearing in mind that you know big finish is considered canon it'd be so interesting to see if they pick up with the shocking events that happen between the doctor and susan uh, on big finish in the tv show like or would they you know sort of you know get around it somehow well i don't want to give too much away because if anyone hasn't listened to any of that stuff um particularly series four of the eight of the eight doctor adventures there's some some really good stuff. Um, so yeah, that's big finish as you'd expect. It does some great things with the character. Um, but in, in terms of TV show, yeah, I don't know what, the, I don't know if they know what to do with her. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't, that, I don't think we really know what she is. <laughs> so was that part of, cause they did, Susan had her own thing, didn't she? It was, um, they released a story called Susan's war, which was part of yeah. the time war run, which was obviously McGann and William Russell and so on. Um, or was there a story with her in just the normal eighth doctor's monthly range? Previous uh, no, it's, no, it's, uh, the ones that I'm referring to was the, um, yeah, it was, it was just called the Ape Doctor Adventures. So it wasn't the m- monthly Ape Doctor Adventures. Get, this is where it gets confusing. They just did these, so it wasn't the monthly ones. They just did this series with him and uh, Sheridan Smith, uh, which were just called the Ape Doctor Adventures. And they did four series of that. Um, and series four, towards the end, uh, Susan came into it with her son, uh, who was played by Paul McGann's son. Um, and there was quite a climatic uh, finale to that season involving the three characters, um, and that's probably about as much as I should say. But it was, it was it was it ended with quite a devastating effect, and I think it would be interesting. To, the relationship between the Doctor and Susan was quite fractured by the end of it, so I think it'd be interesting if they did pick up from that on the TV series. But, but I guess they could set it in any time. It could be before, you know, if they brought it back, it could be before that, so they don't have to acknowledge it but it would be cool if they did. Hmm. Um, but yeah, yeah, I don't want to say too much because if anyone hasn't listened to those, um, they are really good little, I think they're about 50 minutes to an hour each stories in that range. Yeah. Um, yep. And it's worth listening from the beginning because he sort of gets, you know, Sheridan Swift uh, plays the character Lucy Miller and um, they go on quite an adventure through the four, four series. It's, yeah, it's good, good little range, those. Yeah. Some yeah. stories are better than others, of course, but, you know, there's some really good stuff in there. Yeah, I'm trying to figure out what story, because there's another story. There's a story called An Earthly Child. Yeah, which is a sort of in-betweeny. Right, right. Which does actually fit into series four of that range. Oh, okay, right. And it's a, yeah, it's a great little story, that is. Yeah. And that's that was, about her yeah. son. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, because that was pretty cool. Uh, there's another one. So um, series four, I think it was called Relative Dimensions, the one you're talking yeah. about. Yeah, yeah. Yep, so that stars his son, Jake McGann, 
right. and Carol Ann Ford. Yeah. So that's the one. Right, listeners, go on to Big Finish website. Uh, you can get this for a tenner for CD or eight ninety nine for download. Uh, I know the one you're talking about, dude. This is a really good story. Mm. This is like early early McGann. This is like ten years ago. This is fairly early McGann. This is very cool. Yeah. 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 Okay. Is that the one with the big blue fish on the front? Yes. Or am I thinking that? Yes. Yep. Yeah. 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 It's That's got the, the bats on there and the lightning and all sorts. Yeah. The cover's That's really it. corny. Don't go on the cover. No. Because it's also <laughs> got like Christmas dinner on the table and stuff. And That's don't, right. don't worry but, about that. But but Unearthly Child also highly recommend that because that kind of got lost because it was a uh, you know they used to do these sort of special ones special one-offs in, that sort of fitted into the range but you didn't have to have it but that was a great little story that and again very much susan based um and that fits in really nicely with that particular story as well so i recommend both of them yes yeah, yeah. mark yeah. platt wrote um relative dimensions so oh yeah yeah very good, good big finish right yeah anyway uh, back to the story, the sensor rights. Yeah, so Susan, she's she is very good in this actually because she has a few moments where she finds out that she can communicate with them without needing one of those um, little uh-huh. little disc things Stop that they put on their forehead. Things, yeah. yeah, so that's really cool. So that again, that's like that's not anything that sort of they're not trying to slap you around the face with that um, that sort of discovery about Susan. It's just a nice thing that like okay, she's not human like Ian and Barbara which is why she's got this kind of ability, I guess, that those two don't have, which is really cool. So I think I'm just gushing a little bit over Susan on this one, but I just felt she was a real key kind of character within the TARDIS team, uh, within the story. And she's and Caroline Ford's just really good anyway. As Susan, yeah. right? She's classic. Like I, I do. I think she comes in for a hard time sometimes because quite often the writers just make her fall over and hurt her ankle and things like that. And she does a bit of screaming. And, but I think when she's given stuff to do, uh, I think uh, Callum Ford's great. I mean, yeah, like this is a good example. I'm thinking of also Edge of Destruction where she's going a little bit crazy and she gets that <laughs> knife out and stuff. You know, when she's given stuff to do, she's good. Yeah. Um, yes. But I think a lot, of, a lot of the time the writers don't know what to do with her. So she does sort of get, you know, I think when people say, oh, Susan was rubbish because she does often just fall over and things and, or yeah. get locked up and she does a lot of screaming she's got wild hair in the beginning of this as well did you notice it she must have found a, a brush because i swear in the first series in the first episode she's got like this great her hairs all over the place and she looks really manic and crazy and then in the next sort of episode the same scene she's all smart her hair's all brushed back and smart and like, yeah but she looks i love it when she looks wild out of the world i think she's great yeah she's cool <laughs> she's the og companion uh so and then we had ian and barbara they were um pretty cool as always i think um it's weird isn't it with ian and barbara because you always get that i don't want to say it's a bit like will they won't they sort of thing happening but sometimes you do get that little sort of sense like are they are they more than just friends in a couple of bits of it you get that kind of um because they always seem to have this this kind of formula with these lot where you often have Susan, like we just mentioned, who's a, a little bit different to those two. Mm. So she ends up, um, and she's a bit feisty at times, like you said, when she has stuff to do, but Ian and Barbara, they're always consistently like a bit take charge. Like you've obviously got the hierarchy with the doctor at the top, yeah. but then you've also got those two. I think it maybe back in the day in the sixties and seventies when, um, you know, because Susan is the youngest, 
they'll never get they would never have given her like in charge things to do so you mm. you always have Ian and Barbara who are like right we're going to go off and do that we're going to go off and do that Susan you stay here or the doctor's like no I don't want to go and running off getting into trouble you and there's actually a scene in this where they 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 don't tell Susan they're going off to the the aqueduct system underneath the city right because oh yeah they know <laughs> that she'd kick off and want to go and all the rest of it so the doctor's like don't tell Susan just leave her here sort of thing <laughs> So that kind of lends to the Ian and, Ian and Barbara thing where uh, Barbara's like the, she's like the calm, sort of cool, collected adult of the group. And Ian's kind of the same, but he's more like, they give him the role of like the muscle now and then. He's the one that gets yeah, in the scraps and gets in there, yeah. get a bit of a fight. So that formula really works well, I would say, because every time that we get to a cliffhanger or something happens, like in this one where Ian gets poisoned, and then he makes a recovery and then um, I'm going somewhere with this. Don't worry. Uh, he makes a recovery and then uh, Susan has stuff to do. The formula works really well. But in this one, did you find that um, Barbara was just a little bit flat in this? Hmm. Because if you think so throughout all of it, all she really does is she goes off with Susan at the beginning, and that's where they find that chap who's a bit sort of off his nut for a little while. You remember yeah, the... Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. John, isn't it? Uh, John, ba- John Bailey, John, yeah. He's yeah. gone mad, yeah. Yeah, so he's off his nut. And then after that, I can't really think of anything of importance that Barbara actually does for the rest of the story. Mm, the only um, one thing that she does is she grabs one of those little telepathic discs off of um off the uh the elder or the second elder whoever so that Susan can communicate as they go through the tunnels and that's it but she's with somebody else so she's kind of doing that as a tag team can't think of anything of importance that she does throughout the whole story no she gets left up on the spaceship for an episode or two as well doesn't she she does she's not she's yeah. not in a couple of the episodes yeah, oh, I don't know. I hadn't really thought about it because I, I, I love um, Ian and Barbara. I just love the characters. There's such a warmth from those two. I, do, I just really do love them. Um, but I hadn't really picked up, apart from the fact I picked up that she's not in a couple of episodes, I hadn't really sort of noticed that she doesn't get a lot to do. But you're right now I think about it. Um, yeah, she's kind of there. I mean, we've, but you're right. I think because... Susan takes sort of centre stage a bit more in this one. You're right. Barbara does get a little bit uh, sidelined. Yeah, I haven't really sort of picked up on it, but you're right. Yeah, she doesn't. There's no standout moment. There's no bit where Barbara sort of takes control or or gets a particularly good scene in this. Like I'm thinking, like in what was the one we watched recently, um, where she was mistaken as a a god or something. I can't remember. But she's she normally gets sort of thrust into the centre of the story, doesn't she, somehow, and Ian, mm. and Ian as well. Yeah, yeah, perhaps she was sidelined, but I think that's more the writing, nothing to do with Jackie Hill, because she's so, I don't know, she just absorbs warmth, doesn't she? Both she does. of her, yeah. her and Willie Russell, just so likeable. Um, I mean, Ian, perhaps the same could be said for Ian a little bit. I mean, he gets a few good scenes, like when he's poisoned and the aqueduct and all that sort of stuff, but now I think about it, this is very much, I mean, Hartnell's right there, and he's in, he is in the thick of this story, which is nice because sometimes the Hartnell stories, I think especially later on when he used to go on holiday, they would sort of, you know, he wasn't always centre stage, was he, William Hartnell? Quite often they'd put Ian in there because he's 
you know, a bit fitter and, you know, could, could sort of carry the scene and stuff. So they sometimes sidelined the doctor, you know, when, you know, later in William's run, but he's right in the thick of it in this story, isn't he? Which I think is great. I mean, you can tell he's loving it. I mean, he's fluffing lines <laughs> left, right and centre, but like you said, he's not the only one. Um, but no. he's, he's really like, you can tell it's the first series. He's really sort of going for it. And the scenes like when they give him his new cape and he's swishing it round, <laughs> and he's, you can just tell he's having a ball. Um, yeah in this story so, so it, and I do love that I love it where we can see that William's just you know taking taking the reins of the part if you like yeah just no he's going. on he's on fire for a lot of it and um, even <laughs> even when he fluffs his lines doesn't phase him like no he doesn't no he no. sort of fluff it and then and that's it he's, he's on uh, and the same actually it, that must have just been the vibe I think we know don't we that a lot of classic who they didn't have the budget or the time to keep cutting and re- retaking for fluff lines because yeah. just, that luxury wasn't there, so they just had to crack on. But it doesn't phase anybody. It, it, it's just a uh, um, and it, a couple of um, of the centerites they fluff their lines and they carry on. Susan yeah, fluffs. They're and, just as bad. Yeah, those uh, blooming centerites. <laughs> the one in particular, I can't remember which one it is. I think it's the sort of evil one. It's fluffing left, right, and center. And like, get your lines out, man. <laughs> I think it's the second elder. That it one could be the second yeah. elder. Yeah, yeah. He no. doesn't do much better. Um, but no, it's funny. I mean, there was there was one. <laughs> there wasn't a fluff uh, really, but there was a funny sort of quirky bit in a scene where I think Susan's communicating with them, and they're all sit- sitting down, and uh, and the doctor says something. This is one of those things that we would have had to have paused it on. Because I was cracking up laughing, where the doctor's like, mm, "You, you tell them that if they don't do that, I'll have to fight them. <laughs> <laughs> you have to fight them." Anyway, he just says his line and crosses his legs, and he just sort of, mm, you know, he does that kind of yeah. that look, and it takes the camera ages and ages to turn around and go to Susan so she can do her line. And it's just really awkward. It's like this silence that feels like it goes on for ages. Yeah. And it's right after a completely stupid, silly line as well. Mm. Whoever wrote that, who wrote, um, uh, oh, it's different directors, but no, um, uh, Peter Newman, who wrote that line yeah. for the Doctor. What the hell? Yeah. You tell them of- that if they don't do as we say, I shall have to fight them. <laughs> 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 there's a couple of there's a couple of scenes on Hartnell's ready to get in get in there and have a good old scrap. Yeah, but he's like the crazy he old. Really, yeah, he really fires up, doesn't he? He's like, well, give me that lock, give me that lock back. He's like, you know. Yeah. But then, and then the, the next scene, he literally switches from that to, ah, oh, there you go, my good man. He switches from one to the other so quickly. I, I think that's what I love about him. He's so unpredictable. Yeah. Like he, could, he could just go off on one anyway. I've got to say this while I remember as well. The <laughs> ending killed me. So the ending just killed me. So they're all having a lovely laugh in the TARDIS. Where should we go now then? Hmm? And then Ian makes one little comment. Well, if you can get us there or something. And he's like, what? What did you say? Right, so you're being dropped off the first minute we land. And he said, height kicks off again. Yeah, he's, he's off, off it, yeah. He's, he's like... ready to throw them out the TARDIS. <laughs> he's like... Uh... He's like the crazy old granddad that's had a few too many beers at the barbecue, isn't he? Because <laughs> yeah. he's like, one minute he's happy as Larry. Just leave him. He's happy. And then the next minute he's c- 
cussing everybody and angry, and then he's back to being all jovial. And, scrap. That yeah. ended surprised me though, because I was thinking he really like Ian doesn't even say anything bad, and he just flips. Um, yeah. I was trying to work out what happens. <laughs> <laughs> it's um, <laughs> uh, it's Ian. Uh, sorry, it's William Russell's face as well that sells it because it's almost like he's genuinely shocked that he's um. <laughs> That Hartnell's having a go at him, yeah. Because yeah. it is funny though, because he, he's kind of trying to continue the good mood, isn't he? They've they've won the fight, it's, yeah. you know, they've won the day, victorious. They're back in the TARDIS, and then Ian's like, yeah, if he can get us there, sort of thing. He's just having a laugh, <laughs> and then <laughs> the doc, yeah, like you said, the doctor's like, huh? what? what? What was that? Hmm? Can't get you there, right? Let's yeah. get you out. Yeah, yeah, and it's like, oh no, he's yeah. it's the doctor spoiling fun at the party again. Because all of their faces kind of drop to that. You can see all of their posture change as well because they're yeah. all sort of jovial, like I said, and they're laughing. And then when he snaps and as I go in, they're all like their shoulders hunched forward and they've got that roll of the eyes and oh no, yeah. here we yeah, go. He's back to his old side. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You've got to love it. It's, cr- it's brilliant, man. It's, yeah. It's but I tell you what, though, it's things like that. It, it seems like that and things that sort of elevate the story a little bit and bring it out yeah. of that kind of, oh, my God, I've just sat through six, you know, episodes of Definitely. quite a slow paced. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. So those little fluff lines and the bit where the doctor's saying a line and the camera bumps into the table and the, <laughs> the boom mic that sort of has a mind of its own um, throughout certain <laughs> scenes and, the sensor rights looking ridiculous. It's it's all part of the the thing that sort of makes you not want to stop watching. If that makes sense. You just want to be like, what fluff's coming next? And yeah, you never know what's going to happen next. I think. Yes. Yeah. What talking about the look of the sensor rights? What because there's this strange thing uh, that's sort of revealed midway through the story. It's like, well, we all look the same apart from we wear different clothes. And then he says, I know. How about if I take off this sash and you wear it? you could pretend to be so-and-so. And I'm thinking they've only just figured that out. <laughs> it's, it's just like it, that, that again was in terms of the writing was a bit, you know, really, yeah, yeah. Um, that was a bit silly, but I mean, they don't really look the same. I guess I know they're supposed to, but the masks are a bit different. Well, it's not just that. I mean, there's, and they wear the same top. <laughs> well, they all wear the same outfit from head to toe. <laughs> Uh, it's just the big old feet, the big feet. Yeah. It's either the, um, it's the black collar or the single sash or the double sash or whatever that supposedly, but Mm. they're all, they're all different heights and body shapes and their voices are all different. So, cause I would be, I'd be like, you sounded different yesterday and you were three (laughs) foot taller. Are you, you sure a, you're you elder number? (laughs) Are you sure you're there? The same elder. (laughs) So yeah, I mean, I think it's, um, yeah, just limitations with uh, with that sort of thing. I mean, these days you'd have like a perfect clone. Oh, um, be, yeah, yeah. You know, it'd all be done, you know, legit. One but, person played it and CGI'd a hundred times, yeah. Yeah, exactly, yeah. So it's, um, I think it's just limitations. With I think you have to kind of just go with, it's one of those classic Who things where, and I'm talking about all of Who now, not just classic, but you have to just go with it sometimes and just uh, and just imagine you know, in an ideal world, they would all look identical, but in reality, they don't. But uh, in they terms of their like, another bit that, yeah, go on. That's just another bit that I thought would we'd be cracking up and stuff like that. Oh, we would probably, be, yeah. probably look good on paper. Yeah, they all look the same, but they've got different 
you know, um, outfits that distinguish them and stuff. You know, that sounds pretty cool, but it just doesn't translate on the screen. It's uh, it's quite funny. <laughs> yeah, no, Rachel. And, and the look at them was quite um, not too bad. I mean, you can tell there's obviously, you know, very cheaply made um, head masks and stuff like that because some of the eye holes, uh, some of them are are fine on other masks. Like one of them's like a an inch higher than the other one, and it's a different shape, and you you know that sort of thing. And yeah, it's not terrible, is it? I mean, we're not talking about drastic level of awful here. This is like, <laughs> oh, don't bring them into it. You know, this yeah. is not too bad, not too bad. I, I like. I mean, one thing I did like about that idea, you know, the sort of in terms of the design centralities, is I do like the doctor figures out quite quickly. He looks at the pupils or whatever and works out stuff. You know, this is what I like about, you know, these early sort of serials is the doctor's so clever, you know, he picks up on things. So he sees the eyes, works out that they're going to, what does he say? They're really dilated or something. He yeah, works out that yeah. they're going to be scared of the dark or they're not used to it. And so he then uses that against them. And so I, I love, you know, like I said, great ideas in this flowing through. Um, but maybe they don't always translate perfectly on screen, but it's still, I still like the ideas that are going through the story, stuff yeah, like that. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, actually, that line that Susan says just comes to me. That um, uh, she she describes it as um, as Gallifrey being not too dissimilar from Earth. The night sky is burnt orange, and the trees all have, you know, all the tree leaves are bright silver. Um, the tenant's doctor describes it almost exactly the same in the episode Gridlock. Oh right, okay, yeah, sure. I think yeah, which is a nice carryover. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, little like you said, little moments like that make stories like this, which can be a bit hard going at times, just takes it to that ne- le- next level, doesn't it? It just adds something to it that you know um, otherwise just would it would just be yeah quite bland, I think. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. These little moments, you know, and the, and the unpredictability of the Doctor and stuff like that really sort of help to make these stories more interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. What did you think to the? Um the the threads then that ran through the story because i quite like this kind of conspiracy uh thing because yeah. we have the old elder the, the first elder who was very trusting there's a couple of conversations that he has with susan and the doctor where they say like you know why do you trust you know everybody your own you know and he's like sensor rights never lie and all that stuff where it's clear he's a bit, a bit naive isn't he he's a bit like you know because they're like right under your nose there's a conspiracy happening and yeah. And all the rest of it. Because I think Elder too, he's the dude that just doesn't trust the humans, doesn't want them there. And he's also trying to poison uh poison the other or you know, a, a large portion of the other parts of the citadel and everything like that. So he's up to no good, obviously, but the first elder's none the wiser. So there's that really cool kind of conspiracy story that's underlying what they're actually there to do. So they're initially they're they just want to go home. Basically they're on this ship and the sensorites are saying they can't leave. And they're like, cause they've taken the lock from the TARDIS mm-hmm. and, uh, and they're like, no, we just want to go. And they kind of get roped into helping out and then they kind of enjoy helping out, which is really cool. So they don't trust him. And then the doctor comes up with that cure. He does all the scientific stuff. Again. Yeah. He does all the Love all that. Again, really cool. Shows the doctor being who the doctor is clever and using what's around him. Yeah. Loved all that. Exactly that. Yeah. It's all that good stuff. And then they kind of get into it. They kind of like not too fussed about getting home. They just want to help them out and all that sort of thing. So there's some really nice threads that, that run from start to finish, which is pretty cool. So, um, yeah, I really like the, um, the whole conspiracy with that other elder and 
and that sort of thing. Did you like the the threads throughout the story, even though it went on for quite a long time, obviously? Yeah, no, I did. That's what I mean. I think um, I think the actual storyline and the stuff that's going on in it is is really good stuff. I think you know, really interesting, and it's quite simple. It's quite easy to understand, you know, and it's something we can relate to that they have become untrusting of of this race that they've come into contact with you know the humans they don't trust humans because they've been there before and you know it's stuff that i think yeah you can imagine this happening you know the humans have been there and robbed them their planet of all this stuff so you know every time they meet a human now they don't trust them and uh but some people have seen the good side of humanity so they do trust them i think you know it's it's a really simple but interesting thing to explore and I, I really like the fact, the sort of little twist in the tale, if you like, is that the the original humans are still there. So right at the end, we get a couple of new characters come into it, just very briefly. That have, that have, they were in the aqueduct, no, not aqueduct, what was it, viaduct? The aqueduct's underneath, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah so that's right, yeah. I think, I think one of them says aqueduct, gets it wrong, just like I just did in the story, actually. Um, yeah, so they've been there the whole time, and they suddenly appear a bit mad and you know so i thought oh that's good the, the, the humans are still there they're, they're they're the ones that are actually you know we thought it's all these creatures down there but it's actually them and mm-hmm. it's killing off i thought that's a nice little twist as well so yeah the actual overall storyline uh i really like um I, there was a novel of this who did it uh Nigel robinson um yeah i'd be interested to read the book because i think the story is good you know, the actual storyline. Yeah. And the, the illustration on the front, um, I'm not sure how I feel about the Sensorites being like their skin being almost human coloured. Oh, and yeah. And just the white beard and, and all that sort of stuff. Mm. I like the black and white Sensorites. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I get you. Because the, the, <laughs> the thing is, when you look at that picture on the on the Target novel, like you said, it is a bit humanised, isn't it? It's, it, lo- it just looks like an old mm. man. Because it's got the wispy beard and, yeah, maybe they should have been a different colour. Yeah, it's a nice cover, don't get me wrong. Hartnell's done very well. Nick Spender is the artist, apparently. Uh, It might be worth a read, though. Yeah, I don't think I've got that particular one. But, um, yeah, I I just think it's a good story, you know. But then again, I mean, it's not that strong a storyline. It is, again, down to the cast that really do bring this to life, I think, and do make it more watchable than perhaps it would have been. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, but yeah, it's good. Yeah, I like the threads, as you said in the story. There's, there's some good ideas yes. running all the way through this. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and just quickly, the human—I say human—the cast of of characters who were on the spaceship to begin with, and who also come with us to um to the Sen Sphere. Uh, not too bad. So the two people we meet at the beginning who are supposedly dead, but then they wake up. And then the crazy old dude who's roaming around. Um, they were okay, especially that guy, John, John Bailey. Yeah. The, uh, the commander. Sorry. The actor's name is John Bailey. Uh, but the commander, um, he was cool. He played that kind of crazy, uh, crazy dude pretty well. Yeah. I mean, that was a, I thought it was an interesting start to the episode because he did add the mystery, didn't it? You're like, who are these guys and why are they so weird? You know, and what's going on with John? Why is he crackers? Um, yeah, that's uh, they weren't too bad. Uh, I mean, the supporting cast, uh, yeah, the sensorites perhaps not so good because they fluff a lot of their lines, but the um, human supporting cast in this is pretty good, yeah. Uh, no, sorry, you're right, yeah. So he was, um, uh, the commander is played by John Bailey, sorry, John, who's the, the crazy dude, played by um, Stephen Dartnell. 
Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, yeah. He was, um, yeah. So he was at first I thought, is this like some kind of monster? Is this like some sort of mutated thing? But it turns out mm. it was just a, just a crazy dude. <laughs> just a crazy dude. Yeah. It's a crazy it's good, dude, it's yeah. Good, good casting. Cause he's got that sort of wide, wild eyed look about him, isn't it? Yeah. Stephen Darnell. Yeah. Um, so yeah. yeah, it's good casting for him. He looked, he looked a bit spaced out. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, and then the other uh, the other humans we see later on, I think it's episode five or six, uh, in the aqueduct, we see that the humans that arrived way before they got there yeah, are sort yeah. of hiding out. They're the ones that I think the Sensorites are actually afraid of. I think they're the ones that have caused all the other sort of panic around humans and all that stuff. So there's yes. three of them that are just hanging out. Well, at least three of them that we see hanging out on the aqueducts. Uh, short and sweet, really, for those guys. Would have been cool to see a see a bit more of them, a bit of a face off, and a bit of a a bit of a thing. But yeah, just short and sweet. Yeah, I liked that twist. I liked it when they turned up because I I didn't sort of um see that coming. If you like, yeah. So oh, so they're still down there, and it's them that's causing all this trouble. Um, yeah, I thought it was a good little twist, but yeah, they're hardly in it. Yeah. Um, but yeah. I like the fact that the doctor says at the end that the sensorites have let them go, and hopefully that'll be a change, you know, in the relationship. Hopefully they'll be more trusting and let's hope that, you know, no one destroys that trust. I thought that's good. You know, that's brought the story full circle and, you know, the sense of rights are learning to let go and hopefully the humans have learned their lesson. I thought that was a good way to end it, you know. Yeah. Nice yeah. little, not, yeah. not, uh, not a moral, but you know what I mean? It was a nice little message to send out. It's, uh, that William Harlow didn't have to turn to the camera and tell us directly, but uh, it wasn't, yeah. Nice little ending, I thought. Yeah, that's good. Any good cliffhangers you remember from these? Only really the first one, isn't it? Yeah, they're really, quite uh, subtle, aren't they? Yeah, I mean, just that's a quite a iconic shot, isn't it, of the sensor right coming up against the window? <laughs> uh, I thought that was quite cool. <laughs> it's brilliant, man. Because <laughs> yeah, like in in modern day Who, and it's an unfair comparison, but in modern day Who, that would have been more of a kind of horror esque kind of reveal i suppose but in this one it's a bit like children's tv show from back in the 60s it was a uh, because it's really funny because everything's really static everyone seems to just be still there's no talking and then you just see his little head pop up really slowly <laughs> and then he just keeps coming up and up but they've one thing i did notice though and they tend to do this a lot back in the early years is they film they, they film the recap part of it i suppose slightly differently to what they did for the cliffhanger does that make sense yeah they definitely refilmed them yeah. yeah yeah so the bit the bit at the end of episode one where his little head just pops up slowly and then he's like zero gravity and he's like you know moving around and then at the beginning of episode two his movement and everything and the camera angle is completely different yeah, so, I think it's a yeah. different sensor, right? I think he looks different as well. He does, yeah. Yeah, which is ironic because they're supposed to look identical, but uh, it's definitely, I think it's a different actor. Yeah. It's weird, isn't it, back in the day, why they didn't just reuse that bit of footage that they had for the, the cliffhanger bit, why they had to redo it in a way, because it's like extra effort to me. It's like they have to kind of match what they did at the end of the last one, because the filming blocks are obviously different and they move to different studios. So just reuse that bit, just reuse that bit of film that you did for the cliffhanger the episode before and then just action you into the next scene. It's weird, isn't it? Yeah, anyway, it is strange, yeah. yeah. I know it's also where there's a, a funny moment when, uh, you know, 
the cliffhanger where Ian's poisoned and he falls on the floor. And then so the following episode, they reenact that, but they have to do a really long pause in between their lines for the caption to come up. So the doctor <laughs> says his line, the camera stays still on Ian, and then it pans up after what feels like forever. The doctor then says the next line. <laughs> you just imagine Hartnell waiting, you know, they're all standing absolutely dead still waiting for the camera to come up at the right, right now and go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's very unnatural pause, but I love stuff like that. I suppose it is just part of the era, isn't it? Part of the time. And I, I love looking for those moments. Like you said, when you think, hang on, that's a different sense. Right? You know, yeah. and, and it, I don't think he, I think the first one puts his hands up on the window and the second one doesn't <laughs> and things like that. It's like, yeah. yeah, I love, love spotting those little moments. You know? Yeah. It's awesome. And you know what? Mm. All of that stuff, mate, it, it all just gets bundled up into this just lovely little package of classic television, mm. which just gives you that warm feeling, you know? So yeah, the story drags on a bit and it's long and you get bored in the middle a little bit, but I don't know, just that. It's a real charm. It's a lovely just bit of classic, you know, TV. And we've got this, uh, fortunately, these 16 mil recordings, all of they're, they're all in like protected cases somewhere, I hope, somewhere. So they've got all the original negatives and all that stuff and and all that lot. So, which is great because it's a real, you know, we spoke about this a few times. It's a real shame that some of the other Hartnell and Troughton stories are lost for those things. So it's really cool. I'm, you know, gushing again a little bit, but it's just really lovely that all of these lovely little things are wrapped up and, you know, protected somewhere and we get to see them. So. Yeah, that's absolutely yeah. true. I'm, I'm thinking of stuff like underwater menace, which is just because of the way it's done. I find it so hard to watch, you know, whereas like you said, when you actually have all the episodes, even the ones that are a bit slow, it's yeah, it's nice to have them. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. nice that they're there. And, I'm uh, uh, no, go on, go on. No, I was just going to say, I'm trying to remember, because it, 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 William Hartnell does fluff quite a few lines in this, but he sort of gets there, and he does that most of the time, doesn't he? So he'll, he may not always get the line right, but he'll sort of do a rough approximation of it, and he, he gets gets there, which would have driven uh, John Pertwee crazy, wouldn't it? A bit like with Pat Trout when he wanted the lines to be spot on. <laughs> so I don't know how he would have got on with Will, but, but I'm tr- I was trying to remember which story it was when... Hartnell completely forgets his line for what feels like forever. And it's, um, it's a shot of, it's him and Ian at the TARDIS console, I think. And Ian, uh, William Russell's really trying to help Hartnell. So Hartnell's clearly gone blank and they just carry on. He's like, so, um, yes. Hmm, what? He goes, what? To Ian like that. And Ian's like, sorry, what, what is it doctor? And he, he tries to prompt him a couple of times and you can just see the panic and confusion in Hartnell. That he's lot is completely lost the thread that he normally manages to just grasp at the last second, doesn't he? Um, but he does get, again, I think he finally, what after what feels like, you know, forever, he does manage to get the line he needed. But, but again, I think that's what I like about Hartnell is because you're always on the edge of him, aren't you? Like, is he actually going to get, yes, he's got the line <laughs> out, you know? I think I think Frank Skinner described him as, um, he William Hartnell reminded him of a waiter carrying a, a tray of drinks on his hand like going from one end of the room to the other. You're never quite sure if he's going to make it. I thought that's a lovely um, way to put it. But yeah. yeah, just moments like that. I just love. Yeah. I think, um, I think planet of the spiders. Uh, is it planet of the spiders? That's Pertwee, isn't it? Uh, 
Oh, yes, it is, yeah. Um, Which one are you thinking of? What am I thinking of? Um, yeah, I think I think I know that that scene. Oh, the talking. story where they're at the target. Yeah, no, it's going to... Because I can picture that scene, but I can't picture which story it's from. Yeah. Um, um, I know the story you're trying to think of as well. Are you thinking of Web Planet? The Web Planet. Oh, it could be, yeah. The Web Planet. Yeah, it could be that. Possibly, yeah. yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just want to find it to see that scene now. Again, it's... um. It's moments like that that you just want to watch again and again because there is just something about it. You're like, oh, look, he's, oh, you know, <laughs> just love Hart. I, I love Hartnell. Gush, gush, gush. Don't care. I love Hartnell. Yeah. No, I agree, man. Agree. And all, and all his fluffs. I think it's great. Yeah. <laughs> uh, before we started recording, you mentioned, uh, when we were having a quick chat about this story, you mentioned that there's a really cool um, featurette on the special features where uh, they go off in search of uh, Peter R. Newman. Yes, yeah, that's a great little. So it's um, Toby Hado, great little documentary that on the. It's just one of the little features on there. Um, yeah, I really recommend watching that. It's uh, starts off. It's filmed in oh, what's the place called? Is it Alexandra Palace, BBC. Yeah, probably. Yep. Yeah, is that the one that's in the um, tenant story about the wire? Is it that place? Could be. I think so. Gosh, my yeah. memory. Anyway, yeah, it starts off filmed there, I think, and. Um, Really cool little documentary about the writer and quite touching. I, I really recommend watching that. It's only about 15, 20 minutes long um, because he was an enigma. Just to tell, no one really knew much about him at all. So yeah, quite interesting. Yeah, no, it's cool. It's called Looking for Peter. And it's only, yeah. it's only 20 minutes, but it's a good little, it's a good little watch. Yeah, it's lovely. Yeah. When, he, when he finds his, sis, his, uh, his sister, um, it's quite touching. It's that real sort of, you know, brother or sister love you know it just such a warmth comes across you know she's like yeah that was my brother and she's really proud of him and she's got a picture of him on the wall and mm-hmm. it's lovely really really lovely stuff yeah yeah there aren't too many special features on this one no um, but though the the two the good ones are looking for peter that one and um uh, and the commentary so the commentary you've got william russell caroline ford uh you've got a few of the centerites in there and a couple of the humans that were in it <laughs> And you've also got the director, Frank Cox, is on it and um, a couple of designers and makeup designer and stuff. And it's all moderated by Toby Haydock. So that commentary is actually very cool. There's quite a few people on that one. I, might, I, I probably have listened to it, but it was probably when it first came out. So I'll have to go back and uh, give that a listen, actually. Yeah. From what yeah. I remember anyway, because, yeah, like you, I watched it when I first got it, the DVD ages ago, but I can't yeah. remember the date. But it's, it's, I remember it being an interesting uh, watch with a commentary. But, yeah. Okie dokie. Um, the only last thing I've got on my notes is the music. Very, very light on music. It is, isn't it? Yeah. This one. Uh, yeah. yeah, there's no big um, uh, themes anywhere. There's no, it, it's, it's quite atmospheric, I would say. It's more of a supporting thing. It doesn't, like sometimes the director will insist that like maybe the monster has a certain theme that is recurring when whenever the monster's about to, or the alien's about to to make an appearance or something like that. We hear that that theme and stuff like that, but nothing like that really on this one. It's just fairly, fairly standard. Um, uh, Norman Kay apparently was the composer and uh, yeah, it's just a bit, a bit light really. Yeah. It's a little bit light. It sounds quite stock music, doesn't it? A lot of it. It's, um, it sounds like the music you've heard in other Hartnell stories. Um, yeah. But like you said, quite light on the music. It's quite creepy. Some of the stuff when it's actually on there, but there isn't a lot. Yeah. Yes. 
I'm trying uh, to see which is uh, the next story because I do love the ending. It's a, um, Reign of, of Terror, Terror, isn't it? Yeah. See, I'm, I'm going to watch that after we finish because I just want to see how it picks up from Hartnell's big blow up at the end of this. I just want to see where that goes because <laughs> I don't remember that at all. Um, yeah, I haven't seen Reign of Terror in ages. Uh, well, at the end of this, he's like, right, I'm taking you straight back to, you know, um, straight back to Earth and all this sort of thing. But obviously... Um, it does go wrong. I'm just wondering if Ian's going to turn around and be like, see, told you, told you you couldn't get us back. <laughs> well, they land in France, don't they? I think they yeah. land somewhere in France. And Oh, oh I've, got to, I've got to watch it after because I bet that there must be a scene at the beginning when he's like, right, off you go, go back to school. <laughs> and they're like, well, we're in France. He's like, what? Yeah, yeah it's, it's got to be, isn't it? Probably. So gonna, yeah. Yeah. Can't remember. But I'm, yeah. I'm going to put it on when we finish. <laughs> uh, and then lastly, this had a really good run out with the ratings, dude. So Ooh. overall, the average was about 7 million viewers per episode. So the first one, That's... Strangers in Space, got 8 million. Wow. And then it dipped down a bit, picked up again in the middle, dipped down again, and it finished on around 7 million. So had a pretty good viewing when it went out. Yeah. That's not bad at all, is it? Yeah. yeah. I think, you know, I think if you go back to 1964 and imagine watching this i think it, it does have an atmosphere about it i know by today's standards um the sensor rights look a bit naff but i think back then you know i reckon there was enough to to sort of keep people intrigued in this i think it probably looks quite good back in the day you know i would uh, say so yeah you know, i'm thinking like you said about the, the walking out of the tardis set and you know the spaceship set and the sensor out the window i reckon that would have been pretty cool stuff back mm-hmm. in 1964 yeah, and there's yeah, a bit, not, a yeah. bit where um they're steering the ship because it's going to crash into the planet at the beginning yeah. and stuff, where they the whole rocking of the camera and they're all sort of falling <laughs> yeah. around and stuff. That would have you know back at the, in the day, that would have looked on your tiny little black and white television. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, imagine that. You know that would have looked really good. Yeah, that's actually that genuinely is a good point because I'm thinking you know I'm watching this on a big widescreen TV, but yeah, imagine watching this. Mm-hmm. On a tiny little screen, I reckon it would have looked pretty cool. Yeah, and also the the whole kind of six-parter and the pacing thing, that was intended viewing back then. You weren't meant to binge-watch it all at once. No, exactly. You know, you uh, yeah, so. How of interest, um, so I watched this three and three, three episodes and then three the next night. What, what, what did you watch it? Oh, I did this four and two. Four and two. The next yeah. day, yeah. 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 I must admit, I wasn't, Although it was a bit ploddy, I wasn't sort of, once I'd finished an episode, I wasn't like, oh, I can't bother, I'll watch the other one. I was quite happy to go on. Um, I probably could have watched all six in one go, but I, I wouldn't recommend it. I, it's one of those sort of things, good to break it up. Mm. But, yes. uh, but it wasn't, it wasn't, although it's ploddy, it wasn't bad enough to make me think, oh, you know, let's get this done sort of thing. I, I did enjoy it overall. I did think it was quite a good watch. Yeah, same. same. Yeah. Okie dokie. Scores on the doors. Whose turn is it to go first? You, you go first, because I'm a little struggling with this one. Okay, I'm going to give it a 6.5. Oh, all right then. <laughs> <laughs> the reason for that is because I think it's a, a, it's a, good, it's a good story. It got some, the thing is, it's kind of a middle-of-the-road story, but it's got some great little nuggets of things in there. Mm. So um, I can't say it's one that I kind of reach for a lot. Like if I want to watch a Hartnell story, I won't reach for the Sensorites too often. But it's a it's a it's a decent watch. It's a decent little watch. That's a, no. I'm glad I made you go first actually because I have written six point five. 
Um, I just wasn't sure whether to up it by a point five because I did enjoy it. But I agree with everything you said. It, it, it doesn't quite get to the level that I think it could have done. Right. So I'll go with the same then, 6.5. A 6.5 as well. Yeah. Okie dokie. Okay, okay, then. What did our awesome listeners think? We had a few audio reviews in. Let's kick off. This is Mr. Joe Turner. I found it to be quite a nice, slow-paced story. It was quite claustrophobic in the first two episodes, being confined to maybe two or three sets on the spaceship. But then once we got onto the planet, I found it to pick up slightly. William Hartnell and, his, and the fact that he's always thinking, combined with his witty lines and well-known laugh, makes him a delight to watch. Yes, the censorites look like sheep, and the first elder fluffed his lines a lot, and it almost felt like a Series 11 script where there wasn't really any threats. But the curiosity kept me going. The relationship between Susan and the Doctor throughout is just great, and it's one of the first examples of tension between the two, almost as though she's beginning to want more, like a life, a sense of belonging to go and settle down. Obviously we know she does at the end of Dalek Invasion of Earth, but I like to see that beginning. Finally, I find her sense of rights really interesting, and Barbara was great throughout but the ending felt rushed and really anticlimactic. Also, I did love the description Susan gives at the end to describe Gallifrey, very similar to Tennant's speech at the end of Gridlock with Martha, in the way that Gallifrey is presented. Overall, I give this episode a 6 out of 10. Thank you. Thank you very much, Joe. 6. Excellent stuff. That is a very good point about the Doctor-Susan relationship as well. I, yeah, the, the, it's nice to have that little seed planted, isn't it, that she is starting to grow up and the Doctor's actually starting to accept it isn't he he's like yes yes she's <laughs> she's a, becoming quite a grown woman or something he says doesn't he so yeah <laughs> that's nice <laughs> no it's cool yeah yeah and that also lends into that thing we were talking about earlier where the doctor lies to susan well actually doesn't <laughs> lie but he just he just doesn't say anything he's like don't tell susan because don't tell susan. he's kind of got that we all know what she's like now and that kind of lends into that where it kind of lends into that where she is getting older and mature yeah. and she wants to get stuck in and stuff and he's worried for her and stuff. So, no, you're very right there, Joe. And uh, a six, not, not a bad score. Uh, moving on, this is our regular reviewer from Down Under, Sammy Satine. G'day, Gary and Adam, Sammy Satine here. So, the Sensorites, they're an interesting species. They remind me a bit of the Ood with their mind-reading powers. I like watching the Doctor work things out. He really loves Susan, and I enjoy seeing the grandfatherly affection he bestows upon her. I really would have loved to have have seen her again in the TV show. I like seeing Susan get something to do. It's a good story. I give it 8 sensorites out of 10. Take care, everyone. Stay safe. Stay healthy. Be kind. See ya. An 8 from Sammy. High score from Sammy. That's good. She likes the uh, she likes Susan and likes the uh, the sensor. Right? It's a bit like the Ood. Yeah, yeah, they are. But yeah, a bit Oodish. Oodish. Yeah. Thank you very much, Sammy. An eight there. Uh, moving on. This is Seb Lane. Hi, Gary and Adam. I hope you're well. Uh, so the sense rights. Now, this is a lovely story, a very criminally underrated story from the Hartley era, in my opinion. Quite a small cast, but do you know what? I don't think that takes away from the story. I do feel like this story would have benefited if it was. Um, four parts as opposed to six parts I do believe it is six parts I hope I'm right in saying that not just sounding a bit stupid um, but I thought even Susan was good in this one I'm not a big Susan fan but I think you know some of the decisions she made were okay and I put up with it um, and the side cast are pretty strong too and I wish the sensor rights would return actually because they're a cool villain and I know they've got some sort of connection to the Ood so maybe 
I don't know, the Ood and the Sense Right can return together. Who knows? That would make for an awesome story. But I hope you enjoyed it. Um, but because I'm a big fan and I'd give it a 7.5 out of 10. Bye for now. 7.5. Nice. You know, I do think they'd be great, actually. Uh, they would be a good ones to come back. Um, they could be very easily updated mm-hmm. without changing too much, but they could be made to look really good, couldn't they? Those, the, the Ood and Sensorize is, mm, there's a story waiting to happen there. Like yeah, I agree, idea. man. Definitely. I like that idea, yeah. Thank you very much, Seb. And moving on, this is the last one. This is from Mr. Matt Steele. Hmm, yes, my child, back to the ship. Hmm. <laughs> so the Sensorites. I really enjoyed this story. I intended to watch this in two, three episode blocks, but I was so hooked I watched all six in one sitting. The Sensorites themselves looked really good for the time, and it's a clever idea using the sashes as a means of identification. The main cast in this were all on point and all had some terrific scenes to work with, even if there were quite a few fluffed lines. The story on the whole flowed nicely, and I didn't think there was much filler. My only criticism would be that the ending was wrapped up a little too quickly, but there we go. Uh, just like to say, I'm so glad the podcast introduced me to the Hartnell era of Doctor Who and completely changed my mind on him as the Doctor after being put off by the way he was written in Twice Upon a Time. So cheers, guys, for that. Overall, I think I'll give the Sensorites an 8.5 out of 10. Cheers, guys. Mmm! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of course, I forgot it was Matt that was um, put off, wasn't he, by the Twice Upon a Time, yeah. And yeah. thankfully has now discovered how great Hartnell is. Yeah, Hartnell's uh, some of his stories. He's absolutely brilliant. I mean, there yeah. are. I think there are better Hartnell stories than this one. Don't get me wrong, but oh yeah, there are in this one. He he is on fire, isn't he? He is um, <laughs> doing the business. So yeah, uh, yeah, a good score from Matt, and uh, so glad that you're you're into the Hartnell stuff. So um, uh, so that's all good. Uh, thank you very much to our audio reviewers, as always. Thank you for taking the time to do that. Uh, we had a few over on the socials. I'm going to rattle through a few of these. Our writer, Jordan Shortman, says a good Hartnell adventure. Admittedly not a fave of mine, but it does a good job of showing us an alien world. Uh, though Web Planet does that better. Uh, the main cast are brilliant and the Doctor's line about not making threats but keeping promises has rightly become iconic. Mm. Indeedy. Uh, Chippy T says, My problem with this is that it's so slow. I'll forgive a lot due to limitations of when it was made but slow pacing kills my interest. Still, we have the Doctor and the great Ian and Barbara 5.5. Okay, yeah. Uh, Lost on Gallifrey podcast. that says, the Ep 1 cliffhanger is a mild highlight, but then it only gets worse. I do not recommend doing all six parts in one go, or even watching it at all, to be honest. A two out of ten. <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. Uh, Tom, uh, Titan Sci-Fi, says, I, I like the Sensorites, Susan and her telepathic ability. Uh, seven out of ten. Ooh. Ed Galuli, uh, a decent story, one of Susan's best, 6.5. Brian Chapman, the eighth doctor got it wrong. It is the Sensorite Nation who are the keepers of the flame of utter boredom. <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, the first doctor and his companions are great, and it is the joy of watching them that kept my interest from drifting too far. Four aqueducts out of ten. Okay. <laughs> Sarah Louise, the running Hoovian. Uh, an intriguing story addressing so... Uh, Social, uh, social fears, uh, societal fears. I think I'm reading that wrong, sorry. Uh, Hartnell's Doctor is jovial and displays a no-nonsense approach throughout. Susan's telepathic scenes were fun. I'd like to see the Oods meet the Sensorites. Uh, the cast overall were good, particularly as they didn't have uh, retakes. So a 7 out of 10. 
Nice one, Sarah. Cheers, Sarah. Keep on running. And lastly, Tardis Net, Tardis Net 66. Uh, I think this one is rather underrated, a bit too lengthy, but I think the civilization of sensorites and the exploration of their society is quite well developed. And I like the threat is the corruption within the sensorites. Uh, they're not all bad. It's a race of good and bad. Very true. Uh, we had a few over on Facebook. Richard Hardman says, uh, like a few stories in this era, there is not enough story for six parts, uh, but part one is great and the rest is quite slow. Regulars are great and I can't give this more than average five out of ten. Jeff Ooh. Waddle says, a few good ideas in here, but not enough to fill six episodes. And after a creepy first ep with a wonderful cliffhanger, it's all downhill. Uh, where it falls down, though, is the idea of the centerites not being able to tell each other apart except for their sashes. Uh, that would make for a lot of confusion in their in their society with Mr. Sensorite getting home from the scent pub drunk and getting into the wrong bed. <laughs> they also don't like the dark and they don't like loud noises, so would be no good at a scent goth gig. <laughs> They're not a very hardy race, are they? And Jeff gives it no. a five out of ten. Cheers, uh, Jeff. Charlie Turner. Ah, oh, yes, the Sensorites. Quite right, my dear. Podcast. Mm -hmm. uh, I haven't really had a chance to rewatch it, but as far as I can remember... Episode wasn't isn't as bad as the Sensorites themselves. They can be pretty uh, creepy at times, even if this story has a slow pace. Needs another rewatch at some point, so I'll give it no more than an okay 5 out of 10 for now. Aaron Ball says, A good story with good ideas. The cast are great, and it really gives Susan something to do. TARDIS team are great, and this would also have been a much better four-parter than six. Yeah. Uh, give it a 6 out of 10. And lastly, Lewis Palmer. I've recently finished the Hartnell era in my big rewatch of All of Who?, uh, so this is quite fresh in my mind, and it's definitely one of the weakest of his era. It starts off strong, and throughout the story it raises some interesting themes, but individually in what we call home. Uh, it's frustrating because the story never explores any of these in any meaningful way. I find myself constantly waiting for the story to commit to these ideas, but it never does, uh, which makes for a tedious watch. Um, so he says he likes the character moments with Susan, uh, it's yeah. probably the only time she actually gets some development and it's nicely set up for the idea of her wanting to grow up and be her own person. Uh, other than that, it's just very mediocre, unfortunately. Okay, fair enough. Uh, so that's the reviews that came through on the socials. Thank you so much, guys, for sending those in, as always. Next week, what we got, dude? Next week? Uh, so, yes, Torchwood next week with an episode called Meat. Ooh. Just Meat. Just meat. That sounds uh, gruesome, doesn't it? Gruesome. Meat. Yeah. Well, torchwood. Yeah. yeah. If I remember, I think this is the one where Reese gets exposed to all of the torchwoody stuff, right? Oh, right. Could be. I, I must admit, I don't remember this one at all. So, no. yeah, I hope so because I, I, yeah, I like Reese. I'm up for a bit more torchwood Reese. Yeah, we like Reese. Yeah. So, yeah, meat next meat. week. Indeedy. Yes. Okie dokie, dude. I think we're going we're gonna to wrap there for 285. All righty. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much for sticking with the show and listening for another week to episode 285. Thank you so much to our audio reviewers for taking the time to do your clips. Very much appreciated. And all of you that jumped on the socials and told us what you thought of the Sensorites. Next week, as Adam said, we're going back to Torchwood for the episode Meet. 
So get your DVDs or Blu-rays out. We'll be asking for your reviews and opinions, as always, for that. In the meantime, head over to the website, Big Blue Box Podcast, occurred at UK. You can listen to all of our previous shows on there, plus you can uh, jump off to the um, various podcast apps and networks if you want to subscribe. Uh, we'd love to have you as a subscriber. That way you don't miss a show when it lands every single Friday. And if you've got a minute to leave a review or a rating on those things, that'd be awesome because that helps us out loads and loads. We're on the socials too, Instagram, Twitter and Facebook. There are links on the website or just do a search for the big blue box. You'll find us on there. Come and uh, give us a like and a follow over there. We chat plenty of Doctor Who throughout the week and have a laugh over there on the socials. We have a free Discord server as well. There's a link to that on the website. Come and join in and hang out with other Who fans throughout the week. Uh, loads of cool discussion over there that happens all the time, discussing lots of uh, things that are happening coming up with the new series. Uh, loads of big finish chat, collection chat, all sorts uh, going on over there. And also on the website, we also have all of our cool reviews and articles from our writing team. We have a very cool team of writers that do tons of reviews and, uh, and cool articles, so go and check those out as well. Also, remember to check out my co-host channel over on YouTube. It's only the Geek's Handbag. The Geek's Handbag. <laughs> the bloody Geek's Handbag. There's yeah. a link on the website and uh, you won't miss it. Just do a search for the Geek's Handbag on YouTube. Tons and tons and tons of very cool geek videos over there. I would say, probably like if you're a, a geek, this just serves all of your geeky needs. There's loads of reviews, unboxings, uh, convention roundups, location visits, the whole bloody lot. Yeah, go, go and check fill it your out. boots. Yes. And Adam is on the socials under the same name, The Geek's Handbag. So go and do that. Until next week, for 286, my name's Gary. My name's Adam. And remember, Andy! Andy. Andy.